Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keen. And I'm Mike Olson. And surprise, today we're doing Terminator Salvation, released by Warner Brothers and Columbia Pictures on May 21st, 2009, starring Christian Bale, Sam Worthington, Anton Yelchin, Moon Bloodgood, Bryce Dallas Howard, Common, Michael Ironside, and Helena Bottom Carter. Written by John Brancato and Michael Ferris. Based on characters created by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd. Directed by Mick G. It's amazing how this fourth movie came out somehow before the third movie. Uh, I have it on good authority that Terminator 3 came out in 2013. So, <laughs> Whose authority is that? Uh, I, I heard Kevin Keane? I heard it somewhere. I don't know. I can't remember. But t- these timelines are all screwed up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so this is a bonus episode since Arnold's not in it. His likeness is in it, but... Yes, CGI version. Yeah, which I, I actually was surprised, just not to jump right to the end, but I'm surprised at how well that held up. Yeah, it is pretty good. And maybe it was just me. It seems like they they pumped him up a little bit. Doesn't it seem like he's well, bigger? It wasn't a CGI body. They hired a bodybuilder. Gotcha. I've got his name in the notes somewhere. This is what happens when we jump right to the end. It's like, oh, it's like <laughs> 10 pages too too early. <laughs> Yeah, so it was they, they hired someone who was as close as they could find to Darwin's gotcha. physique from the time they just, you know, CGI'd yeah, the, the face over. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know how they accomplished that, but I was just imagining him walking around the set with like a big green hood over his head, like, I'm the Terminator. <laughs> See, I kind of envisioned it that it was, you know, like one of those cardboard masks that just hang out with like a rubber band when you're a kid and just has the eye holes cut out, and but it was Arnold's face <laughs> yeah, on yeah. there is what he's walking around with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, because uh, Arnold had to sign off and like, you know, let them use his likeness. I think they were probably going to like, I'm sure their original plan was to just like keep it in the shadow or whatever. It's like, Oh, we can use Arnold's face. We better take advantage of that. So, uh, Mick G, I, I kind of have a rule. Any, anything with Mick G attached is probably not good. I tend to agree. I don't think this is as bad as it's, I, I enjoyed it up to Charlie's a point. angels full throttle. Well, yes. I've never seen full throttle. I think the first Charlie's angels is enough. Uh, first, Watching George McFly do kung fu moves, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't even know if he's in the sequel, but uh, I've had I, enough of that. I don't remember it. I think I've seen it just so I could say how bad it was, uh, but I, I don't remember him being in it. The only movies I know of McGee's, I didn't look up anything, but uh, the two Charlie's Angels movies and this, I don't know what else he did. I'm sure he's done more stuff. Yeah, there's a couple of others. Uh, what I actually noticed when I was looking is that. Uh, he, like David Fincher, got his start uh, with music videos. and uh, Oh, that's not surprising at all. Well, I, I'd i love to know if you could guess the band, but there's no way. But So the ones that I noticed were The Offspring, including, uh, <laughs> okay. I think, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. And uh, I don't remember the other one that, uh, that he directed. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, that, that song was just as terrible as most of his movies so it's a good fit yeah so do you did you get the feeling on this one it feels like a michael bay version of the terminator universe yeah but i don't necessarily think that's entirely a bad thing really yeah i mean i'll take i'll take this over t3 you'd like t3 better than me i mean what what would you rather watch t3 or this uh i mean i'd probably rather watch this here so i i loathe michael bay and i like to I like to think, and, and you might be able to back me up on my credibility on this statement. 
I loathed Michael Bay well before it was popular to loathe Michael Bay. Yeah, I'd say that's true. Um, but the thing is, is what, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't like it. Just it feels like a Transformers movie, in, including having what I I referenced as the Constructicons. I'm not sure what that. Yeah, that's out of place. <laughs> that doesn't belong in a Terminator. No, movie. and so I think that's probably influenced by like, oh, the Terminator movies are big because what was the first Terminator like or, Transformers. Uh, Transformers? Yeah, what was the first Transformers like 2007 or something? Yeah, somewhere in there. And so that that's where I, I just. I don't feel the bleakness of, you know, the Michael Bean Terminator, you know, his dreams. You don't feel it. This feels really st- – it doesn't help that you got a fighter pilot when she t- she takes off her helmet. She has perfect teeth and is basically a model. It's just – Yeah, it, I agree. I, I think it was a missed opportunity. So I'm not going to say that it, it's something that – like a Michael Bay movie that I loathe. It just – it doesn't feel like the right setting for this. Well, I have a lot to unpack with that statement. First, I agree 100% on – the perfect teeth and everyone looks per- like perfect. Right. This, this movie really makes it seem like the nuclear apocalypse was just was not, a, not a big deal. <laughs> An inconvenience. Yeah, it was actually like, we're all fine. <laughs> you know, we've got submarines and, and jets and all kinds of things. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the idea is that, you know, this is set 11 years before, because it's set in the, the year 2018, uh, and the year when everyone went back in time in the original Terminator was 2029. So we're still a ways off from those. Like, I, you when could, it really you, gets bad and you need Wall-E going around to clean up the skulls. Yeah, I mean, you, you could imagine how it took some time to deteriorate. Okay, we've got, you know, four jets and one submarine left, but we don't have any of the infrastructure to, to repair and resupply. So over time, it's just like, okay, now we're down to just rocks and stuff. Right, like, hand I, I can buy that. I don't have a problem with that because it's set so far prior to... What you it's, get in the set, Terminator. Yeah, it's set yeah. in a period where we've never seen before, basically. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's the, that's what makes the concept interesting. I'm not sure the execution, but I do like the concept. I think it's executed okay. I don't think... I know what you're saying about it's a Michael Bay Terminator, but A, I don't dislike Michael Bay as much as you. I actually am a little bit of a Michael Bay defender. I don't uh, think you and I have ever really hashed it out, but I... We probably... we Maybe this episode is going to go long. No, but I... But I I mean, the Terminator movie, I keep saying, I, I keep doing this. Yeah. They both begin with a T and they're about robots. My, this is how my brain works. This is why I can't remember names. It's just like, oh, you know, I like those Terminator movies better than I like the Terminator movies. I, I'm more impressed that you, you're not reverting to, I think it was when you were working at <laughs> that you had somebody that you worked with about the, those Transformers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to touch that. That's fine. Fair enough. Keep going. <laughs> That's good. You also reference I don't want like that's I, I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to no. I just don't want the, on the on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> I, people can identify me. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I've got a very unique name. I mean, like there's two people in the world with my name, so very, I'm very easily identifiable. Yes. Um. Well, well, see now. <laughs> oh, you're um, you're a Michael Bay fan. Well, no. I, I the the trans uh, the Transformers movies. I have to stop myself every time. Trans. Wait, am I saying the right thing? <laughs> the Transformers movies are garbage. Absolute garbage. <laughs> yes. So when I say and progressively getting worse, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say progressively. Okay. I've seen all four Transformers. <laughs> Would movies. you say exponentially? No, <laughs> that's not what I meant. I think I I like Michael Bay's style, his cinematic style, even though I think he is the worst at telling a story. <laughs> of but I mean I actually think we're just gonna talk about Michael Bay right now. But I actually think Michael Bay is a talented director. He is, he's got a lot of talent. He can make something look you know, impressive. He's a very cinematic director. He's just so bad at telling a story. I might, I might give you that I'm, I'd be unfair to say that he can't do anything right. You're, you're probably right. Visually, there are some things that are striking, 
but man. But you don't even think The Rock is worthwhile? It's you the don't only think... one. It's the only one. What about Bad Boys and uh, or Bad Boys 2? Those have not held up well. Either one of them, for me, have not held up well. I think I, another one might be coming, too. Oh, I think so. I'm looking forward to it. I like both of the Bad Boys movies. No, I don't. For me, those don't hold up. And I think between Armageddon and Pearl Harbor may be two of the worst movies I've ever seen. Pearl Harbor is real bad. Armageddon, I enjoy because it's bad. It's uh, fun bad. It's so bad, it's it's great. That's I wish that I could has, agree with you. I can't. It, it was released by Criterion, so if anyone knows quality, it's the Criterion <laughs> Collection. That only, it proves my point. No, I, but I yeah, this movie is everything is kind of jacked up to eleven and all yeah. that. I totally understand what you're saying. I don't think it's necessarily to its detriment, but I think really what it comes down to is. I think the premise is interesting. I think, you know, McGee is, I'm not a fan of McGee's at all, but I think this is probably his best movie. And I think he does a lot of interesting stuff, but it just, it really falls apart in the third act. Yeah. Like, the, the ending of this movie is awful. No, I, I and it's unfortunate because there is some stuff early on that I think is pretty good. And there are some, some highlights. I shouldn't, shouldn't say there isn't. I think uh, Anton Yelchin is, is doing a great Michael Bean. Yeah, um, he's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there are some things, and they, this one is smart. You know, you were really upset on T3 how basically they were flipping the bird to so much in the Terminator franchise. This does, I think, a good job of balancing just enough of connecting things to the, you know, T, T1, T2, and I think even a little bit of T3. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, his wife is there. His wife is there. He gets the, you know, the cut on his face because you get in T3 when he, again, I think, I think it's part of that bad third act. So I'm not saying that it's good, but they do, I think, connect all of the previous movies. That scar is in T2 when you see him in the future. He's got that scar. That was established in T2. All right. I guess you're right. You very briefly see John Connor in the future and he's got a crazy scar. I don't like the, the whole, here's how John Connor got that scar that you saw twice. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> I don't care. This is so stupid. I hated it in Indiana Jones when they did that stuff. I'm going to take an opportunity to bash Indiana Jones and Last Crusade again. It's just like, there's a character that's established, and then it's just like, in, you know, in the case of Indiana Jones, here's how he got his hat. Here's how he got his whip. Here's, how, what, here's why he's afraid of snakes. Oh, and by the way, all that happened in, the, in five minutes of each other. Here's I hate that movie. Um, I mean, really, they show you. They show you all that stuff. How yes. you know, I mean, you've I, seen the movie. Yeah, I remember. And I, it also bothered me in the most recent Bond movie, Spectre, where you've got Blofeld, who oh, yeah. has appeared in four Bond movies. Only once did he have a scar, and yet they're like, look, here's how he got Blofeld getting a scar. Ooh, it's like, no, I hate when movies do this. That's fair. When they like go back and try to explain it's a detail old, that, yeah, who cares? Who yeah. cares? Yeah. It, so I just, that moment really bothered me, especially because like the Terminator clawing John Connor's eyes is like, move out of the way. He's yeah. like, I, I am, you know, destined to get this scar. I can't, I, I, I can't change my fate. I must. Yeah. <laughs> I can't <laughs> change my fate. You know, it's, it's like, like ter- uh, Arnold said in T3, the judgment day is inevitable. It's the same thing here. It's your scar is inevitable. inevitable. You can't move away. I, yeah. That, well, we'll get to it, but there's a lot with that T800 that I hate that. And that, that, that really, is, no, it's terrible. It's really bad. I mean, I, I really do enjoy the first hour or so really until they reveal, um, Marcus. Yeah. Here's the spoiler warning, whatever yeah. we've already talked about. The ending. Uh, yeah, that's that Marcus is some kind of like Terminator hybrid, which doesn't, you know, they don't really do much with that idea. No. It's a, it's a great idea that they do nothing with. And he's an interesting character. I think Sam Worthington 
We liked him because I liked him in, in Sabotage. No, he was one of the best, better, if not best parts of Sabotage, and he's good in this, too. He's good in this. I think, you know, at the time that this came out, he was very overexposed, and people were like, oh, Sam and Worthington, he sucks. It's just like, I didn't see that remake of Clash of the Titans. Neither did I. think I. that's the movie where everyone, like, turned on Sam Worthington. It was just oh. like, he's in every movie. He was in Avatar and this and that, like, all within, like, a year. And that, that can easily happen, because you do. You get overexposed. Yeah, and it's too bad, because he's kind of had kind of disappeared and i think he's okay i don't think he's a great actor but his, his accent really slips in and out in this movie that's the yeah, one thing does. i noticed it's like boy and this scene is australian <laughs> this scene is from new york and this scene is from boston it's just like geez marcus where are you from he should have just been australian like you know he's i've seen him in movies where he plays a plausible he does a plausible american accent but boy this movie it's just an entire scene he'll forget to do the accent he's just australian or new zealand is that where he's from i, one, I one think it's the, new zealand sorry australians and new zealanders you're probably car- I can't tell you an apart. international incident <laughs> I, I quickly looked up mcgee so some of the other after terminator salvation was this means war do you remember that no it was like two it was like spy versus spy and they were fighting over uh reese witherspoon it was chris pine i don't think it was army hammer i don't remember who it was <laughs> that sounds terrible uh, you really don't remember this? No, not at all. Yeah, no, it was it was kind of like a romantic comedy. I, I I didn't see it, but what it reminded me of a little bit is a little. It was like kind of like Gross Point Blank that it was supposed to be, you know, violence and funny. But I don't think it got either one. Right. I enjoy well, Gross Point Blank. I don't yeah, know I'm not as big a fan of that as you are right now. Oh, it was it was Tom Hardy. So it should have you know it should have been good. It was not good. Okay, I like both Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. So, uh, and then after that was. Three Days to Kill with uh, Kevin Costner. Did not see it. Have zero oh, interest. right. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't really done much. He uh, he did two episodes of the Lethal Weapon TV series, however, which came out this year. <laughs> wow, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. Did you get any... I, I like, totally forgot that existed. Did you, I, I assume Weapon. it was bad, right? Did you see any reviews? Uh, I have not seen any reviews. I've not seen any episodes, and I don't plan on seeing any episodes. No, me neither. It didn't look good. No. Um so yeah, can we talk about uh, Christian Bale as John Connor? Yeah, so I, well, why don't you start with it? Because I mean, what I really remember, and I think what kind of maybe doomed this movie was, you know, Bale's him yelling at a guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the thing that this movie's remembered for, right? For better or for worse. The thing about that whole thing, because you know, I mean, I, I I tend to not care about like. People were happy when they made the movie. People were, were you know, angry yeah. at each other. It's like, if, if the movie's good, I, you know, I, I'm it's judging irrelevant. the movie. Right. That said, I look at what Christian Bale's doing in this movie, and I don't see like a really deep performance. It's like he got really upset about that guy. Like, oh, I'm, I'm here acting, and I'm really trying to you know, be in the moment. It's like, you're playing a guy who just goes, oh, don't launch the attack. Ah. You know, <laughs> he's doing his Batman voice. Yeah. And... He's not playing an interesting character. Like they, they were so afraid to take any risks with John Connor because he's, he's this established character and he's supposed to be like, he's on his way to being this great hero. Right. He just comes off as being really bland. So it's just I, I, uh, I mean, to be fair, Nick Stahl was pretty bland too. So I mean, it, it, maybe to that's a certain just extent, the yeah, it's just the character, unfortunately. Um, you know, because he, he's set up in the first Terminator as the great hero. Right. It's like you know, there's only so much you can do with that. I agree, and it's it's kind of. I mean, I I'm a I'm a Christian Bale fan. I mean, I, I am, and I think he's a, a great actor. Sure, it's. I won't say it's a bad performance, but it is. It's bland. It might be the character, but it's kind of one of those things. I also kind of wonder why he took the job. It just doesn't seem that interesting. Not only that, they they, they rewrote this movie for him. 
But before we move on to that, but you know what I'm saying? Like of all the movies, of all the Christian Bale movies, for him to explode at a guy because right. he's really given it his his all, it's like this is not no. the movie I, I mean, would expect him to. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I could completely I'm, see it as uh, you know an American Psycho, where right. you know he really is. I'm deep in character. And yeah, I'm, you know, <laughs> he's just he's just a guy who he really is and, Patrick Bateman. Yeah. I mean, but John Connor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. But yeah, as far as like the script, so okay, originally. They wanted Christian Bale to play the Marcus role. And he read the script, and he said, wait, why am I not playing John Connor? Like, I don't know if he, how familiar he was with the Terminator movies or yeah. whether he's just like, I want to play John Connor. Because originally John Connor was off screen. I remember seeing the news stories about, oh, yeah, John Connor is not going to be in this one much. This was getting made around the time when I was sort of peripherally involved in like movie news websites and things. I was like, <laughs> my, my finger was much more on the pulse of that. So... Yeah, I remember the news stories are just like, oh yeah, John Connor is barely in the movie, and it's about it's going to be a whole new trilogy about all new characters, and the whole thing's going to be set in the future. Uh, but then when he got involved, and he was just like, I want to play John Connor, and I want the role to be beefed up, <laughs> and they totally rewrote it to the point where you can kind of tell it's just like this makes more sense. This would be so much of a better movie if it was entirely about Marcus. Yep. And really only in the last, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, John to, comes into the yeah, story. happened to come upon him. I, I agree with you. And to be honest, too, I, I, I don't dislike Sam Worthington, but knowing that, I think that would have been a more interesting character for yeah. Bale to play. It's a, actually, he actually is a character, a character who right. has, like, things going on internally. He actually has a conflict, and he grows. Right. John Connor is just a soldier who has a radio. <laughs> I've got a radio, so I'm in charge. <laughs> I'm having a fireside chat. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like that. That's, that's what I have. John has another fireside chat. I mean, I guess Terminator 3, the ending does acknowledge, like, he just happened to be the guy who has the radio, so yeah. everyone listens to him. <laughs> It's right place a, at the right time. So much in life. That's the thing. Like he's not even really inspiring. Like they could have written him to be like giving. Like I'm right. Like Patton. Yeah. Right. Right. It's just, like, human beings are beat down, and I'm gonna up, lift you up. No, he's just no. like grab that thing in the back of their neck, <laughs> attack its weak point. <laughs> you know, that's all. He's just giving them tips and tricks. It's just like here's how you beat the Terminator. I, I if they're gonna I, make him more of a character, they should have written him up. Yeah, to be more like Patton. What's I, kind of funny is when you say that. I, you know, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't notice the Batman voice that much. It's there a little bit. But now that I think about it, it would be great. And I'm sure people have done it to just splice it in. Where are they? <laughs> I think that would be great. When he's trying to find Reese. He, he kind of does that when he's like, Kyle Reese, where's Kyle Reese? Yeah. No. Just, Where are they? <laughs> yeah. It is a little different in that his Batman voice is very shouty. Whereas this is, I'm gravelly and intense. I'm Mr. Sure. Yeah, Mr. Intensity. Yeah. That's the way to describe it. You know, so I, I don't think he's great. I I was reading that originally they wanted to make this their plan because it's written by the same guys who wrote T3. Although some other people, like Paul Haggis, did a polish. I saw that, and also Jonathan Nolan was involved. I saw that as well. So I, it's hard to tell who was responsible for what, but like I, I get the impression that Jonathan Nolan came in, like Christian Bale brought him in, like hey, here's my Batman guy. You know, he's gonna pump up my my part. <laughs> um, but you know, it's hard to say how much is those original guys. But the original plan was. Immediately after T3 to make this movie with Nick Stahl and with Claire Danes and, you know, basically keep, keep going, right. Pick up right afterwards, like, you know, not have so much time having passed. And then as usual, the Terminator rights got caught up in all kinds of legal mumbo jumbo. Cause all, that's what happens every time. It's just like, well, somebody's fighting the Terminator rights are crazy and who knows what. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's, that's a pretty long, but thorough overview. I know on this one, this is a bonus episode, so we're not, uh, we're not doing counts and stuff like that unless 
because it's a Terminator, you plan on doing it. No, I didn't I, do it. I thought I, about it. I was like, hey, maybe I should do it. No, I, it, this is another one that falls in the, the world of PG-13 and, and really, you know, dialing down things. Is it PG-13? I think it is, yeah. yeah I didn't notice that. But I, there, there aren't very many when I was kind of going back. I wanted to ask you, too, did you do both the director's cut and the, and the theatrical? I had no idea there were different cuts. I have no, I have no clue which one I watched. All right. Well, there is a director's cut, and there's only like two minutes more of footage. Okay. Uh, do you want me to? You want me to do it now, or try and pick it up when uh, when we're going through? We can, we can kind of speed through the okay. Kind of there, literally, as far as I could find. Now, keep. I did it through fast forward, and I was trying to see. You know. Oh wait a minute. Is this something I don't recognize? And I thought it was going to be more at the towards the end because there was a couple of things that are confusing to me in that third act yes. that I thought was maybe because of missing scenes. I can say I couldn't find them, so I don't think that's what it is. Okay. It's just a bad third act. But there are two of them, and I will tell you one of them. I'm just I'm going to give you two words, and not every you know listener is necessarily going to be able to decode this, but that's all right. Patrick Stewart. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I can't decode that. Okay. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Three words. Extras. Oh, did they cut out some nudity? Yes. To get it down to PG-13? <laughs> I, I don't know oh, if it was I, a PG-13 or why it was necessary. All I could think of watching is, is Patrick's... <laughs> is there any nudity in it? Was she in the back of the helicopter? It was Moon Blood Good. Oh, right? they, I, I did read about this. It is Moon Blood Good. It would have been the best, actually, if she was in the back of the helicopter. Clothes is rotted off. I can see her in the rearview mirror. <laughs> on a helicopter by the way yeah she is a pilot she would have been the front of the helicopter yeah. so anyway yeah when, when we get there it that makes sense yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that tells you that they were shooting for an r and then they, they decided to dial it down yeah they, but they're really there's only one other scene it's a michael ironside scene so oh that's a shame uh it's just a, it's just an extension of an existing scene so it, it probably is 30 seconds it's not that much okay yeah, because I'd forgotten he was in this. I forgot and about it, too. Like, oh, we're right. Michael Ironside is this guy in the submarine. That should have been his character, Man in Submarine. <laughs> I don't even know. He's some general or something. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's let's kind of go through roughly chronological order. My, yeah. first, my first note is about the title, which I, I don't know why the title is so small. Did you notice that? It's confusing, yes. It's, it reminded me uh, the Spinal Tap DVD, where like the, the title comes over and he's like, oh, look, it, it's beautiful. Oh, wait, wait it's too small. It's too small. Wait, <laughs> Rewind that. It, it's very small. And it's to the point where I've got a pretty big TV, and it's just like, why? I can like, barely read it. It's almost that <laughs> they were... Sheepish. Well, yes, yeah, so we've made another Terminator. Yeah, Terminator Salvation. Salvation. <laughs> it's not. It's not going to have Arnold, so we don't want it to be big and bombastic. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think McGee is kind of going for a more like down and gritty, realistic. Like he has these sequences that are really long takes, and they're all kind of, kind of handheld, and he is kind of going for like a more Jason Bourne. Yeah, I hesitate to use the word documentary style because it's yeah. not quite that, but. You no, know, cl- it, closer. It's it certainly is close. If you had to pick on the spectrum between Paul Greengrass, which you know is the original Bourne movies yeah. and United ninety three, and Michael Bay, I think it's a lot closer to Paul Greengrass than it is. It's like a weird mixture of the two, but yeah, I mean, at, at times it's one, and at times it's the other. I think that's maybe the thing. It, it needed to commit more to what it was. Yeah, because I think it it. it, it it sort of starts as one and then goes to the other because I think it, it kind of loses a lot of that gritty like wartime reality thing as it goes yeah and actually that's the stuff that i like the most in particular i'd say the first the first action sequence for sure but like the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes has probably i think some of the best stuff yeah i agree um but actually well the first thing is 
2003. Yes. So let me ask you this, because Helena Bottom Carter shows up, and she, you know, somehow involved with Cyberdyne, she wants Marcus, who's on death row. To, it's to, flimsy. To, to give up his body. So what is actually, like, the... Well, to, to donate his body to science. She probably wants him to give up his body, too, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, probably not... It's a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Um, so what is... what? actually is happening here that's one of the things i could never quite decode of just what like, okay. it's trying to accomplish i don't know well no just like what do they do with him so he he's killed he's given a lethal injection and his body is donated to cyberdyne and then he later reemerges as some kind of terminator hybrid so did cyberdyne do that or did the machines find his body and decide we're going to resurrect him or i just don't really know who did I, what or- i took it as that cyberdyne did it and then it was a you know early early version that doesn't really fit in the in the timeline because they didn't have the technology. But that that's watching the movie. That's what it seems like to me that he was just like buried in the archives of something that was created in the two thousands. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, why not do that with a living person? Just like here's this corpse. We're gonna like somehow reanimate it, and he's still himself. And it's it adds a level. It adds a element to the Terminator mythology that's a little strange. It's just like, okay, I guess the machines can bring people back from the dead now. Yeah, it, it's flimsy. and I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like RoboCop. And if anything, I think they maybe should have gone that way a little bit more with him. Because he doesn't really have any memories. I mean, there's very, very little that plays off of any of that stuff. I think he does. He remembers his past, right? Doesn't he reference his brother? He, yeah, no, the Allison Chains plays. He goes, oh, my brother used yeah, to like Yeah, he, he remembers it. What I'm saying is I don't feel like it is, it's explored that much. And well, no, that's I for th- sure. I think it, but having that, it might help explain like how he was created. But they don't, they don't give you any of that. You don't, you don't know. They leave it up to you to like, figure out, which I think is a mistake. I, yeah, they, they leave it to your imagination is really right. what, what you mean. Like, right? Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, you don't have enough information to figure it out. No, it's not. I don't think it's possible. But it seems to me like he's not a Terminator at all, right? He has Terminator. He has a Terminator he body. Has a machine. Yeah, he has a machine body, but not necessarily a Terminator. But at the end of the movie, she, you know, Helena Bottom Carter's, you know, portraying Skynet. Or, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's some of her worst acting that I've ever seen. <laughs> That's it true. Not good. You killed John Connor. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of, uh, I, I'm referencing Bond a lot, but in Diamonds Are Forever where James Bond kills that henchman and then switch, oh. switches the, the wallets and she goes, you killed James Bond. <laughs> she says it in a very similar way. Like, you yeah, killed John, John Connor. Connor. Which he didn't. No. He's still, John Connor's still alive when he, she says that. Uh, that, that whole sequence. Anyway, we're jumping ahead. Um. Now you made me lose my place. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? Oh, well, about him, Carter. yeah. But no. But at the end, she says that you you've accomplished. You've killed John Connor. It it leads. It led me to believe that he was supposed to be like basically one of the first prototypes of an infiltrator. Um, Terminator. Right. They're like it's like a half step between the T six hundred and the T eight hundred. Where yes. he they're trying to figure out how to make a human like Terminator without the rubber skin. Right. The ones that have bad breath and everything. Yes. So, yeah, and we see at the end that they have accomplished this. That Now we see the T-800 at the end. So is that the thing of just like, okay, the machines use Marcus to bridge the gap, to act as like a missing link Maybe, to like yeah. the Terminator that we know. To, to see how, uh, how likely it would be that a machine could be, you know, find its way and infiltrate. So he's not exactly a machine. He's got a heartbeat and some, you know some of the other char- true human characteristics. And so th- they wanted to see maybe that if, if it would work, I guess, but then the whole, the plan is to lure John Connor to Skynet. So there's more to it than just like a test run, right? 
They send this is this is what's really terrible with this movie. I mean, at least say what you will about Terminator Three. At least it's held together and like you understood more or less what was happening. Yeah. This is just like the machines were hoping that John Connor would find Marcus, bring him back. Right. Right. And but then that doesn't happen. So Marcus ends up finding his way there anyway. Which is convenient, but yes. Yeah. Well, he finds Moon Blood good. Blah blah blah. But then they kidnap Kyle Reese, which didn't happen until after they had set their plan in motion so that couldn't have been part of their original plan no so just nothing none of this makes sense it's just they they have some sort of nebulous plan to trap john connor the details of which don't seem to matter no and they're just making it up as they go i mean both the filmmakers and the machines are just making it up as they go which doesn't really fit very well with what the skynet and the machine should be right they should have a very methodical and logical plan and there there's a couple of things that bother me and it's how long Kyle Reese is kept alive yeah, is just that, infuriating. It. Agreed. It's like, it, we learned they have a hit list, and Kyle Reese is literally number, number one. He is public enemy, he is Skynet enemy number one. And they know they have him, So, but they decide to use him as bait to capture, or to kill, I guess, John Connor. But what's the point to me? Because if you kill Kyle, there is no John Connor. That I don't get it. Presumably. But then we're in a different timeline than that one, so maybe not. Like, None of it hangs together. It's I agree. If they're going to use Kyle Reese as the bait to pull in John Connor, they shouldn't have had it earlier in the screenplay saying he's number one on the hit list. Right. I mean, they really do use Kyle Reese in this movie as he's kind of a MacGuffin. It's kind of like uh, you know we talked about in what was it, in End of Days how like that what's her name the Chris, like, Christine, Christine York. right of course Christine New York. She's not a character. She's just she's just the thing everyone's after. Like, oh, she's the special person. In this right. movie, it's just Kyle Reese. It's just like, oh, Kyle Reese. You know, when when Marcus gets captured and it's like, you tried to kill my father, Kyle Reese, and he's like, Kyle Reese is in the machine. He's, he's still just, alive, right? He's been captured. But it's like the only reason you brought him up is so that right the story could keep going, and for plot reasons, right? Now John has learned where Kyle was, and especially because, as I said, I think probably one of the best things about the movie is Anton Yelchin's. Kyle Reese is yeah really good yeah and it's uh, that's such a tragedy like, it is I I really like the Star Trek reboot also I think he's he's really good in those yep and it's funny I, well this is maybe maybe in poor taste but comparing his death to Paul Walker's I remember when Paul Walker died everyone lost their mind just like oh it's so sad and blah 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 when Anton Yelchin died I felt I mean it was a story but I felt like there nobody wasn't cares. the reaction yeah. it's not that nobody cared it was just like Everyone lost their mind when they learned that Paul Walker died, and you know I don't understand why. I but I think Anton Yelchin was an incredibly talented guy. Oh, Green Room is the other movie. Have you seen that yet? No, I've not seen it. Oh, he's he's great in Green Room. That's an intense movie. Speaking of intensity, okay, that's that's actually really rough to watch, and he's so good in it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, and just and for here's the other thing, and this is why I say it's kind of maybe in bad taste because I don't want to like denigrate Paul Walker or like <laughs> belittle his death. But he was doing 120 in like a Corvette or something. Anton Yeltsin got his death was because of a manufacturing fault. He was right. doing nothing wrong. It was yeah. just a terrible, you know, tragedy. You know, I mean, both are tragedies. But if you're doing 120 on the highway, you sort you know, your probability of I don't mean to be just you know disrespectful or you know something it, bad happening is pretty high. Yeah, I, it's really sad. What happened to Anton Yeltsin? I, I think what it probably comes down to is there's just a lot of Fast and Furious fans. That could be. I mean, I really think that's what it is. I mean, not that there aren't a lot of Star Trek fans, but he also, you know, his filmography, he was still building that filmography, right? Not, I don't think everybody that aren't movie fans necessarily knew who he was. Yeah, I guess, I guess 
I have to come to grips with the fact that Paul Walker was more famous than Anton Yelchin, which not, is not a better the, performer. The, the biggest tragedy of all. Yeah, but he might have been more famous, but not necessarily a better actor. But I, that that there's something to be said for that. I have to admit, I had I always had something against Paul Walker. I'm sorry, I'm speaking so ill of the dead, but he made that movie Running Scared, there it is. which really made me mad. <laughs> You know, how dare you make a movie called Running Scared? The 80s Running Scared is one of my favorite movies. Paul it, Walker made that dumb Running Scared where he gets uh, hit with hockey pucks. I was going to say, and I know that you really enjoy the hockey pucks. I've never actually seen it. I saw oh. the trailer and I saw him getting hit with hockey pucks. I'm like, okay, well, there's at least that <laughs> redeeming value. The man has died. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, all right. All right. We're going <laughs> to move on. We're going to move from on. From my Paul Walker moment. So, yeah, from, uh, from a pretty, it, I don't know. How realistic it actually is, I've never sat in on uh, on the state using lethal injection, but that that felt pretty real in terms of Marcus's um, lethal injection scene. Yeah, I mean, I'll bet it's probably. I'm sure they researched. Who knows? But yeah, it seemed plausible at least. Yeah, seemed extremely plausible. Other then, than I wasn't sure why Helena Bonham Carter's character would be in there, but whatever. She owns his body now. Like she, she has to keep an eye on it to make sure they don't damage it. I you guess. Um, yes, and then we get a text crawl. I was really excited. I know we've talked in some episode about how I miss text crawls. Yes. A text crawl. I was, so, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> they still exist. It's a pretty least, good one, too. At least in, uh, what was this, 2009? Yeah, 2009. In 2009, they still did. I've got the whole text crawl, but it's pretty, uh, it's pretty boilerplate. Just, yeah. It's telling you the war against the machines, just blah, blah, blah. They're filling you in on the last three movies. You know? Yeah, if you hadn't seen them. But if you're watching Salvation, you've probably seen all those. Yeah, and then this kind of opening. I, I, this is probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Believe it or not, yeah, I, I really like this in, entire sequence here. It is cool. It actually, like, weirdly makes me feel bad for that one Terminator that like, oh. land on his head, <laughs> and then John gets out and just shoots him in the head. It's yeah. like I think he's done. I don't I, think you needed it. I think you're right. He's toast, yeah. John. Jeez. <laughs> but I, you know, I did like that. Right. So they this one they get the humans instead. You always have the Terminators. You know, stepping on human skulls, they they get a little turnabout in this one. I guess that's true. I didn't consider that. I think that's probably what they're going for. Yeah, yeah I didn't but think the, about the, it. the shot to the head is a little bit of a late hit out of bounds, John. This is as good a time as any to talk about something. So there's a, a, a podcast that I listen to called Idle Thumbs, and it's a video game podcast, and they've recently spun off and done just a general purpose podcast. It's called Important If True, and on their first episode, they ended up talking about the Terminator. Oh, wow. And one of the co-hosts said something that got me thinking, because they were talking about how basically, like, how gleaming the Terminators are in the, in the first couple of movies. Just coincidentally, since we were watching this, it's like, that's not really true in this movie. They're real grimy and no. dirty in this one. In particular, that poor one that's guarding L.A. I feel bad. I, I really oh, want to yeah. talk about that Terminator. <laughs> the one with the boots? Yes. <laughs> that guy. I feel bad for that. He, he clearly drew the wrong card. Yeah, well, because I'm getting to that guy, because... Basically, they were, they were supposing, like, they're so gleaming and clean. Like, is there some kind of, like, <laughs> robot underclass that only exists to polish the Terminators? Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and, and they were basically kind of saying, like, oh, you know, if there is a robot underclass, then they would rise up and there would be the rise, of the, <laughs> the rise of the machines, apostrophe machines. I like that. It's a really good podcast. important if true. Um, but that got me thinking because, yeah, there's that guy. Because it made me think, like, okay, do we ever see any machines that are not just designed to kill human beings? Like, are there machines that are not? That's a good question. It seems like every machine we see in all of these movies, they're only designed to kill humans, right? There's no, like, support. Oh, no, only one. 
What's the that? Terminatrix. She is designed. Oh, yes. But other than that, you're right. Every other machine that you see in these movies is designed. But so she's capable of killing she's, humans. She's designed Very to clearly. kill humans as well, but she also is designed to kill machines. Well, because I, listening to that podcast made me start thinking about, like, because obviously it's a helicopter. Yes. We're, we're, they're, the they're coming for us. Yes, John Connor is going to land on our <laughs> skull. <laughs> but uh, it made me realize that maybe it's all a, a perspective thing, like, you know, all these movies are told from humans' point of view, and so yeah. it looks like Terminators are all designed to kill humans. But I realize, like, you know, to a rat, a human probably <laughs> looks like it's only designed to kill rats. <laughs> you know, because it's like the only, every time a human being encounters a rat, it wants to kill it. So it's like, but, but, you know, we're not going around thinking about, like, must execute rats, you know. <laughs> so I'll bet. So what you're saying is that the Terminators are going about their daily business. Yeah, well, uh, that guy with the boots in L.A., maybe, maybe you think about, like, from, from Marcus's point of view, <laughs> he thinks the robots, like, must kill humans, but really what that Terminator is doing is just going like eek a human you know and just started like hitting it with its equivalent of a broom you know what I mean like, which is a giant minigun right it's, you know instead of having a stick or a broom or something he's got a minigun that's just what he happens to have can, can I give you my name for for, for that uh, for basically all the T-600s but in particular when that one's introduced I was calling them Blaine bots because it, with the minigun it reminded me of Blaine from <laughs> yeah. Predator, Predator so I call them the Blaine bots they're, they're a little goofier than Blaine like I, I, I think this you know, Terminator Salvation does a really great job kind of capturing what Kyle described in the original because it's just like, yeah, they weren't really that good. Like, they yeah. kind of sucked. And yeah, they, that, they kind of suck. Until the T-800 series, Kyle's right. Yeah. The T-600s, they really nailed the, those T-600s. Like, yeah. they have a cool design. Like, they look different than the T-800s. You can definitely see that they're a more primitive design. Yep. And they're just filthy. And, you know, like, I don't know if it, it's... I don't know if the idea is that we're only seeing them after the rubber skin has been blown off, off or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, because it has boots on. It's like, are they sending that out with boots? Because <laughs> it certainly wouldn't fool anybody. Yeah, I just, the boots really <laughs> stuck out to me. Uh, that, to be honest, uh, other than Anton Yelchin's um, Kyle Reese, that, <laughs> the Blaine bot in L.A. was my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. No, they're cool. I mean, I think it's a guy like with a rubber, like a suit on. Like, it seems like really? it's... I, yeah, yeah I didn't notice that. I'm pretty sure. Because um, this was Stan Winston's last movie, right? He, yeah. He passed away. I don't know if they finished or not. I didn't see. Yeah, because the movie is dedicated to him. Right. Um, yeah, all the effects are great. Especially the practical effects. Like, you know, I think those T-600s look great. I was excited, too, to see, I think, a when, when you get to the you know the, the prison, the human prison, I think it was a T1. I noticed that, too. I, I was, was very like, excited to see. And what I was thinking is, like, man, that T1, it's probably got some mileage on it. Yeah. Well, a lot of mileage on it. That's why they've got it on, you know, like, prison exactly. guard duty. <laughs> it drew a terrible card, too. It seemed like it couldn't even really move anymore. It was just stuck in place, swiveling left and right. All so. it, right. All it can do is swivel. Yeah. It's the one that identified Kyle, right? It's like, there's Kyle, and then some, some other robot had to swoop in because it's like, I, I'm not capable of grabbing it. I don't have hands. But yeah, I did know. I was like, oh, cool. Let's see one. I'm sure it was just a prop that was left over. Like, hey, we still have these in the warehouse. Yeah, you want to use it? Use but but I, I, I enjoyed that, right? I mean, that was the one thing about Terminator 3 that I really liked. I thought those were probably the, among the best parts of that movie, and I was glad to see it in here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree that this opening sequence is cool because they go down in some hole and they're like they're they're there to find some kind of computer or something. Yes, I had it uh, a little Bruce Wayne spelunking is actually what I had. Oh yeah, I guess that's, it is a little like a uh, little bat caveish. Yeah, now that you mention it. So they go down, they get the uh, the information, which ultimately is is another I guess kind of MacGuffin. I guess there's two. It's Kyle Reese and it's the signal, right? There's kind of two in this movie. 
Wait, down in the yeah, because what they're stealing is they're getting the the sort. I don't know if it's source code, but they're getting the information to be able to broadcast the signal, right? Which is fake, right? I guess that's the thing that they the, ter- the machines have lured them there, yes, to steal this fake thing. But uh, what about Kyle Reese's down there? No, I said that the 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 signal is kind of a MacGuffin too. I mean, they're, oh, they're oh, I kind see. of two in, addition in this to, movie. The, yeah. I thought you meant in addition to Calories being in that hole. No, no, okay. no. I, I'm just saying that the 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 signal the, yeah. in the hole is kind of a second MacGuffin. The in dual this movie. MacGuffins, yeah. I understand. Yeah, because uh, yeah, well, also Marcus is down there. Yep, but just they don't notice him covered like, in oil or something. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, when when John, of course, escapes and is the only the sole survivor, right. Including those prisoners, those prisoners got nuked too. I you gotta I assume, yeah, they're all they're all done. I wasn't sure. I'm glad I wasn't doing a body count. I'm just like, oh boy, that seems like a lot. And I don't, I don't know how many people were in that cage, but no. Um, but yeah, then somehow it get it cuts the night pretty quickly, and Marcus comes out, and it's like the Shawshank Redemption, and he's been like. I don't know, oh, yeah. crawling through just muck and mud and oil or something because he's covered. But then it is a little last action hero because a little bit of rain. Oh, it's okay. It washes right off. Well, also, this, I, you know, I know we were kind of praising Sam Worthington, but I do have a very snarky note here. Where I said the, the vaunted acting stylings of Sam Worthington because he comes out and he's just like. It is a little bit like, uh, I don't know if you've seen V for Vendetta, but it's a little bit like after the fire when in. Um, I've seen it. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, he, he, so the V basically comes out and walks out of the fire. He somehow is able to survive. He's like, Bruh! it's kind really? of the same thing. Yes. Wow. I don't remember that at all. I, yeah. I would think I remember him being very erudite and like, oh, yes, hello. And he, he well, he was in almost when he's when he's wearing you know his cloak and all the clothes. But this is like as the the um, the experiment you know, room or whatever he was in, it all burns down, but he's the only one that survives. And it's, you know, he's just like this hulking dude. It's like the incredible Hulk almost. I may, I may not have seen that whole movie. Now that I think about it, no. I may have only seen part of it on TV. I thought okay. I'd seen the whole thing. No. Uh, but th- there's a lot of that in this movie. Cause also John Connor, when he's a sole survivor and he calls in, <laughs> he's very like caveman. He's just here. And then <laughs> who's that? Connor. <laughs> He's a little bit like the unfrozen caveman lawyer. He is a little bit. He's very monosyllabic. Like, how many survivors? One. <laughs> and that's after I we're skipping over it, but you know, there's of course a Terminator that's oh yeah, the half Terminator, half right. destroyed. And uh, at every Terminator movie, you have to have a machine crawling after John Connor or a Connor, I should say. I guess Sarah or John. Yeah, that's true. I didn't make that connection, but you're right. It, it did do the classic Terminator move of, I'm just going to throw you. <laughs> just like throw you over my shoulder. It is. There's re- a lot of that. There's a lot of that, particularly with the CGI Arnold. It's really annoying. I mean, he <laughs> has John Connor dead to rights. But just, that's like the classic Terminator move. It's almost but, like, at this point, you have to do but it. But in this it's movie, tradition. It, no, it's true, but in this movie, it bothers me because you establish in this movie, why doesn't he just punch John Connor in the heart? Right, yeah, he, he can stop a human's heart. Right, I mean, it could put its hand through. Previous movies have established it can just like punch through well, a person. That, that right? was the TX, I guess. The, I mean, yeah, maybe she's stronger than the other. I the, I take it if she's built to destroy other Terminators, she's probably stronger than the other Terminators too. But no, but there's no question that the T800 does, has numerous, numerous opportunities to kill. Right, he just tosses them around some more. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, they come very close to killing him, but we're not there yet. Let's save it. Uh. Yeah, then John Connor wants to go to the sub. They're like, no, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit of him listening to the tapes of Sarah, uh, Sarah Connor, and then, yeah, he... Oh, no, you're right. This, before that, he, he he does, I don't know what, he just jumps out of a plane. Yeah, he drops into the sea, and they bring him out of the sub. Yeah, like, you shouldn't have done that, John. But right. like, 
It's, it, it makes it cha- worth it because it's Michael Ironside. Yeah, he's okay. I wish he had more to do. He he never leaves a sub. Nope. I wish he'd gone out and been involved. He more destroyed than. himself, however. Yeah. I mean, this whole subplot of like, I mean, really what it comes down to. <laughs> Did you mean that pun, by the way? I was... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns. There it is. We've had a lot of those lately. I swear, half the time I don't even notice I'm doing it. I mean, it's, it is entirely subconscious. That was perfect. I'm glad you stopped me and pointed it out, because I would, I would have blown right past it. Um, Sorry, but... The, it's all subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get back on track. So, so subliminal puns. Uh, so, you got me going. You know, effectively, this entire scene is just... Letting the audience know what the MacGuffin, the first MacGuffin is, which is the, the signal. Yeah, which John Connor kind of is the reason why they end up getting killed. Because he's the one going like, we got to use this signal. And the whole thing is a trick. Because they it, broadcast it from the sub, I guess. It was just how the machines find them and blow them up. Well, I don't think they're only broadcasting it from the sub. I think it's probably supposed to have been used by all of the forces that were supposed to advance. But remember, they're not advancing because they won't go until Connor uh, says so. But the sub does it on their own because they're not listening to Connor. Oh, is that why? So okay. it, 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 what the signal was supposed to be is so that the machines would basically know where all of the resistance was at once right. and wipe them out. Right. But only because they refused to actually follow orders, which they're not very good soldiers when they when they break the chain of command. Okay. So if they had listened to John, they would have been fine, but they, yes, they but broadcast they, anyway. Yeah. So they destroyed themselves. Yeah. Okay. But what, what bothers me is that it's hard to buy objectively, if you know these movies, you know John Connor becomes the leader of the Resistance, so it's clear those guys on the sub can't survive this movie. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe think... Because there's enough time, or a long timeline between... Well, and also, I think they should have played up a little more the idea that this is uncharted territory, that this is possibly an alternate timeline. Like, I think if if they had established through John, like, oh, things aren't playing out exactly the way they were supposed to, and maybe things aren't going to play out. Like maybe I, you know, I, I agree. Like the, the fact that it's a time travel movie and we basically know the future is a problem. So they should have cast that future in doubt, and they never do. I nope. think it's a mistake. I think the movie should have gone like, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe things. Maybe we do win the war in 2018. There is no time travel. I mean, obviously that would cause other problems of like Kyle Reese needs to go back and da, 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 da. you know. I mean, it's we're in time travel nonsense. There, there, yeah, right. There's a problem inherently in time travel. Yeah. I mean, this is the one movie that has no time travel in it, and yet it's the movie that I think maybe suffers the most from the fact that the Terminator series is a time travel series because we know where it's going. Right. You know, it's a similar problem with the Star Wars prequels. Not that there's time travel there, but you know, the, the fact that you know where it ends. You have to get to a point. Yeah. I mean, making that interesting is really difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think they should have done more to cast that in doubt. I, I, I can't disagree with you on that, but. Um... Like, you know, honestly, what they should have done is kill Cal Reese. Just be like, machine's got him and he's dead. It's like, oh my God. Like, clearly this is not the future that we know. Yeah, that you probably know? would do it. And that would have been like, everybody's in trouble and maybe the machines win. And like, you know, they needed to raise the stakes to somehow. Maybe that would have been going a little far, but still, I mean, something like that. Yeah, because you, you, the, the challenge with all of this and what I wasn't buying off when, you know, I saw it is I'm like, well, I know John survives this. Yeah. And you know Kyle survives this. So it's it, that, I think, takes away from some of it being interesting. This is actually seen as where the other deleted scene is. Before, um, when John gets there, Ironside has a, a one-on-one with him and basically says, look, I don't believe in fate. And he takes out a really shiny pistol. I mean, a re- you know, nickel-plated, points it at his head, 
and you know it's basically threatening him that I, I don't believe in fate. You know, are you going to follow orders or something along those lines? And then you then cut away to you know what you see, which is that's interesting. Yeah, it makes him more of a villain. A little bit, yeah. Huh. Well, I, I'm not so much a villain so much as if you're not going to follow orders, then I'm going to you know, execute you on the spot. I mean, he kind of would have been justified a little right. bit. I, I, at the very least, I think he's justified to, to lock John Connor up. Yes. He's he, undermining the chain of command. Exactly. He's not following orders. Yeah. And in the end, none of the other soldiers follow <laughs> orders because they're following John Connor. It's exactly why you can't have that. I mean, Connor's effectively, it's like a coup, right? I mean, he's... Yeah, it really is. He's a danger to those that are truly supposed to be in command, which I also had, by the way, that it's... I like how that this sub is like the model UN club. I mean, you have, like, <laughs> yeah, the, entire, the entire world powers represented on that sub. Martin's prince is over there <laughs> doing a hula. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. It's like, we have, we have the Russian guy, we have got an American, we've got the Japanese. Chinese. Was it Chinese or Japanese? I'm not it? sure. Yeah. Those other three guys are kind, kind of, of too far. You couldn't really tell. It's like, there's an American guy and there's a Russian guy because we wanted to make sure to show that the, you know, the great powers the are working great together. The old powers, yes, are uh, represented. Yeah. Whose sub do you think it is? You think it's a Russian sub? I, I don't know military hardware. Uh... I guess because it's in the States, maybe it's probably a U.S. sub. I'm just trying to p- picture the sub now, and th- I'm just thinking about Hunt for Language, October. Yeah. Does it look more like the Red October, or does it look, look, look more like the, the did Dallas? It, did it have the Caterpillar drive? <laughs> That's right. So we're, we, we finish up with John, and then we're now in L.A. The Hollywood sign has survived. Of course it did. I, How would you know it was L.A. if the Hollywood sign didn't survive? <sighs> that, that kind of stuff it, it just infuriates me. Well, it's on a hillside. Maybe the maybe the nuke exploded on the other side of that hill. You know, it like washed over the hill and missed the, the Hollywood sign. Just sometimes, just give me. You know what? Or Mike? maybe the machines rebuilt it. They're like <laughs> they they really like the yeah. tourism draw. It's important to know. You know, they they put up the land back up too. Like we like that better, <laughs> Hollywood land. So it's more logical. This <laughs> this is where I have my note actually on the blame bot. I I said. Uh, I'd like to know more about that beat-down T-600. Did it screw up a mission to wind up yeah. walking the streets of L.A. solo? It really does look lost. It's it, just, it, just, it looks like it got marooned out there, and it is being punished. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it, it, do you think it's like a thing where they have T-600s patrolling cities, or is it, it literally just got left behind? Because well, the, the logical thing says it probably is patrolling cities because you know, there still might be humans there to, to terminate. But I like more that it's basically it just got left behind because it was unpopular. Yeah. And like I said, he sees, the, he sees Marcus. He's just like, oh, what? He almost looks surprised. Oh, like, he's like frightened and just starts yeah. firing away. He does call in uh, some kind of an aircraft later, right? Yeah. Doesn't, he, he, yeah so, something shows up later, which I think it's implied that the T-600 called it in. Well, so yeah. There, I think there's that, other robots around somewhere. Right. Uh, but so then you get uh, Kyle Reese and, and, a, and one of the lines. Come Which, with me if you want to live. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Feels a little forced. But I, I, like, forgot about it, so yeah. it just shows how, how much of an impact it had. Yeah, it feels a little forced, but, I, again, I, I, I still like the fact that it's... I think it pays tribute the right way to the previous movies. Yeah. And the fact that it's Kyle, who was the one who said it originally. Right. She's like, this is just a thing he likes to say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's just saying it in the most inappropriate situations. We're going to get lunch. Come with me if you want to live. It's just, like, hey, it's just lunch, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I, what are you talking about? Do you think I might die? Yes, I understand I could die at any moment. I do like, I have a note here about, because there's a 
point where Marcus is just kind of wandering the desert, I think before he gets to LA. Yes. And I just have a note. I like the scores by Dan- Danny Elfman, which seems like a strange fit, but I, think, I did not see that. Wow. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's kind of, it's different. It's, it, you know, there are hints of the old Terminator themes, but it's subtle. Like it's, it's kind of its own thing. I like it. There's like a lot of good, like, Guitar in it, and like like oh, I, acoustic guitar. It's funny. I didn't notice it on this one. I've tried to pay a little bit more attention, but on this one, I I didn't notice it. Uh, the score, I mean, uh, and this is also you get. Uh, I, I'm not sure if because they were going for the rating, they wanted like a family friendly. But you have a kid who literally has no lines in the movie and almost no point in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's she's there to be in danger. Yeah, I, I it's it's literally just you know. She's there so that other characters can protect her. Right. That's that's it. Yeah. I, well, he, she she does. Uh, the, this Terminator gets gets done in by like the wily e. coyote that oh, it, yeah. it gets the <laughs> anvil dropped on its head. Yeah. It was, it was, there was an X or, or bird seed is really what it would be. It's, 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 there's like Terminator <laughs> seed. seed. You know, because I agree, they had to. It stands in the exact spot so they could drop the thing <laughs> on its head. I do, I do like though that it it it's still firing that minigun right right down to the bitter end. Yeah, when it gets crushed. Well, then it shoots itself in the head. Yes, <laughs> that's the thing. Like it's it's fighting so hard it accidentally kills itself. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much already dead. But yeah. and uh, I'm just I'm just scanning through. Yeah. It, oh, and this is where we go, we go back to the base and John Connor's testing the signal out on a, on a hydrobot. Yeah, I Goofy's name for these things. I and I, I just, I'm kind of. What I want to know is, I know they wanted to show different types of machines, but why do those machines even exist? I agree, it's silly. Like it doesn't feel. There, there are a lot of robot designs that don't feel like they belong in the Terminator franchise. The the aforementioned giant robot, the Terminator, the Transformer, did it again. It's like the fourth <laughs> time. The that, Transformers, just, Transformers, just Transformers. It, like I did. I wrote that it was the Constructicons. That, yeah. It, that, that's what I said it was. It, it definitely seems. And it sneaks up on them. That's the part. Oh, it's infuriating <laughs> me. I mean, it's this massive thing. And every once in a while, when it's attacking, it has this like whirring sound. Like, yeah. And I'm like, how did this thing sneak up on anybody? I know. It's, it, that is the most preposterous part where they're just like. Middle of the day, they just got there and having a, like a, a, Hanging a showdown. Hanging out Seven Eleven, and suddenly a hand. <laughs> I do like the sound design, but yeah, that thing seems so loud. <laughs> There's so no crazy. way it has any stealth ability whatsoever. It, it is kind of the uh, Transformers ish. The sound design There's a lot of like that, you know, that kind of noises. That's and that's what made me feel that entire sequence in the Seven Eleven is what I think is Michael Bay and Transformers. Yeah, I, I agree. That is the most. Uh, the fact that it has like motorcycle robots in its legs that just live in its legs the ducatis <laughs> is that what those are yeah okay i didn't know that do you think the robots like took some ducatis and like oh. reverse engineered <laughs> them into robots i like that idea or do they just build robots to look like ducatis no i think they just i mean it's because for product placement that's the reason why that they're in there <laughs> really you think oh, that's yeah. why absolutely i think it, it is that's some strange product placement i mean i wouldn't be that surprised well you got the grill of an exploded jeep yeah and 7-Eleven, like you and just said. And 7-Eleven, exactly. Yeah. Hollywood can cram. It's amazing <laughs> that in the apocalyptic future, they yeah. still got some product placement. They can in. cram product placement in anything. But boy, like, I'm not sure if I, if I was, you know. Noticing? It, no, I was going to say, if I was in charge of advertising at a big corporation that I would want my brand shown <laughs> in this apocalyptic scene. 
You know, like they this, say, any publicity is good publicity. I guess I'm just like, look, this Seven Eleven is still standing. They're built strong, <laughs> solid as a rock. So it's just kind of a weird idea. So uh, you you quickly get you get another Kyle Reese, you know, kind of connection. Marcus is the one who who taught him how to uh, hang on to his shotgun when they're back at base. Yeah, that's pretty similar to the scar for me. I'm just yeah. like we didn't need to know the origin of that. No. That doesn't seem that important, but. Whatever. I guess they're trying to find ways to connect it back to the old yeah, movies. I, again, I, I, I enjoy. I, you're, you're right that I don't think it adds that much value, but I, I like having some in there, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, you got to do it a little bit. And, and I, I have uh, Marcus build a radio out of coconuts, like the professor on Gogan's <laughs> Island. Well, so what I want to know is what did Marcus do? I know you find out that his brother died, and it, one police officer or was it two? I think one. Yeah. Okay, one. I just want to know, one, what were his crimes? And then, two, what, what did he do for a living? Because he can rebuild cars. He can build radios out of coconuts. I want to know, He seems like he was a valuable member of society before it all went wrong. Or because he's part machine, he just knows oh, all machines. Because he does have a chip in his head. It's true. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's, his uh, technical abilities have been enhanced by the chip. Yeah, it's like a Neo thing where the machines have like downloaded all these skills. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it, it's it's not explained. I wish we got a little more backstory on on Marcus. Yeah, I, that, uh, this movie should have been really about. You're right, John Connor just shouldn't have been in this movie or very little, and it should have been about Marcus. Yeah, and I'll bet before they changed the script, we got more information about some, some more backstory. Probably. It feels like we should know more about him. I, I, to be honest, I'm way more interested in that, and I'd I'd like to know more. Yeah, no, but I agree. It is kind of convenient. He can. How, fix cars and build radios and just anything they need, basically. Yeah. Uh, this is, you then cut to, it's nighttime, and uh, I, this is my first one. John Connor is having a fireside chat, is what I, I have in there. Yeah, and this is where Kyle first hears about John Connor. Um, yeah, this is the part where John Connor's just like, take the thing out of the, like, attack their neck. It's just, <laughs> come on, like, I, it, this isn't a thing that a leader says. It's just like, you know. It's an inst- he's reading an instruction manual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. It's not the most inspiring speech. No. Just the idea that everyone's huddled around like, oh, John Connor, he's going to tell us about the thing. And he's neck. reading out of the instruction manual. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I wish they'd done more, more with this stuff. Uh, yeah, and they go back to Griffith Observatory to find a car, and he, this is where he fixes the car, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he fixes it, and I, that's another kind of callback. I think, it's, I think it's good that they have it at Griffith Observatory. Yeah. I, I was kind of, I wanted Kyle or someone to say, oh, laundry day, <laughs> right. nothing clean. Uh, and this is, there's a line here that I think maybe they're trying to explain why the machines leave all the skulls around. Because this is where Kyle goes like, you know, the difference between us and the machines, we bury our dead. Yeah, maybe. Is, like, is, is that the idea? It's like, you know, in, in the same vein of like the scar and all that, it's yeah. like, here's why the machines don't clean up the skulls. It could be. I hadn't thought about that. But you know what? We we asked if there was a, a bot that was its job that it just wasn't doing to go around and clean up those skulls. So, you know, maybe they're trying to give us an explanation of why those skulls exist. Yeah. There's a chase here, right? Yeah. I, I just have in my notes, and another action sequence begins because you get this drone chasing after them. Yeah, this one's okay. I kind of I liked it. It's fine. I mean, I, I do like both here and in T3, I do like that the the drones that are there are are really close to the drones that are you know people are flying around today. I, yeah. I do really like that. That's true. Uh, and I, I have a note saying that in typical Kyle Reese fashion, he insists on driving at least at first. <laughs> 
Even though he's like, I've never, I've never driven before. It's like, yep. I hadn't thought about that, too. That literally, from the very first time he gets a car, yeah. I'm Cal Reese, I'm driving. This is the, the, the origin of that. Yes. We're learning the origin of everything, and this is his insistence I, on driving. I, that's one of the things I remember from that episode that we did. I'm Cal Reese, and I'm driving. I mean, in, in the first Terminator, I just, it's something I always notice. It's just like, there's already a guy driving the car, and he <laughs> kicks him out of the driver's Kyle seat. Reese. But yeah, they get away pretty easily, right? They just shoot the thing. Uh, no, Marcus uses a tire iron. Oh, a tire iron, iron that's right. Yes. Which is, uh, is pretty impressive. So one of the issues I had here is that, that so uh, uh, somehow with all of this noise being created, John Connor decides I'm going to you know go commit some resources. Shouldn't the L.A. branch have made noise a long time ago? Yeah. Well, also, he has no idea where they are. It's like, oh, I have a sense that something is happening in L.A. somewhere, right? It's just thinking of like, oh, there's movement in L.A. I'll send some jets. <laughs> just like, yeah. What? You have no plan? You don't know who they are, what's going on? Just, I don't know. Send some jets. I did have some, because there's a line that we've got to get out. Of, I think it's Kyle. We've got to get out of L.A. I just, all I could think of is, man, this is the original for Escape from L.A. Yeah. It, it, it's not a uh, prison. I guess, it kind of, well, I guess San Francisco is the prison. Right. If only they'd made L.A. the prison, yeah. then it really would have been Escape from L.A. But so this is then when you get to the you know we've covered some of it the Seven Eleven I none of this stuff do I really like yeah it doesn't feel like it, it feels like a Walking Dead kind of a thing yep. more than the Terminator the like, confrontation yeah because I and they have this in a couple of times because the the right before the or right after the cut nudity scene it's the same thing you have Walking Dead again where you know humans are looking to kill one another I just yeah. you know, that doesn't feel like what's been established. And I know this is earlier than what's been established in previous movies. It's still, it just doesn't feel like that's what's established in the Terminator franchise that humanity acts like. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think in previous movies, it made it seem like all of humanity was rallying behind John Connor. Right. And this is clearly not the case. I, I, I think it could be an interesting wrinkle, but it's just they don't do anything with it. It's just like... Here's some like scenes, yeah. Mad Max stuff, like post-apocalypse. Everyone's fending for themselves, right. and then they're all dead. It's like, well, what even was the point? <laughs> they, you know, they introduce this old lady, and then she's just. I guess. I mean, I guess she's in the the prison later. But I did have a note saying they should have made that Earl Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. I mean, dude, I, I I miss Earl Bowen. You know, and this old lady has no no purpose. There's no, no reason for her to be in the movie. That so would have been awesome. Make it Earl Bowen. So. <laughs> Earl Bowen somehow survived as he was just running aimlessly right. in that cemetery. Earl he, Bowen as Dr. Silberman, in case, yeah, yes. from, from the first three movies. And as we established in T3, that really John Connor's, um, his generals, they just happened to survive because they all had happenstances to fall into uh, refrigerators to survive the nuclear blast because right. literally it's going to be coming. Earl well, that's Bowen, true. He's also in L.A. Yeah, Earl happens. Bowen, he just happened to run haphazardly into, into, into a lead refrigerator. He fell into a grave and then the <laughs> coffin closed on him. <laughs> that's how he survived. And then the blast washed right over him and he was fine. Ironically saved by his own coffin. <laughs> by a coffin. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so movie. there's a standoff between the humans. I don't really care. Until a giant Constructicon comes and destroys the place. I mean, we already more or less talked about it, but here's my thing about this giant robot. You know, Terminators are designed to look like humans for infiltration purposes. Why is this giant robot shaped like a human? Like, why is it a giant mech? You know, it's like it is it's like Pacific right. Rim. That's that's probably the right. Maybe even more some Transformers. It is very Pacific well, well, Rim. I mean, Transformers are human shaped when they're when, when they're in their robot form, and yeah. you know, it's like. It made me imagine a 40-foot-tall Terminator with, like, human skin. It's like, we'll use this to infiltrate. It's like, they don't have, like, some, like... They don't understand scale. Well, again, to compare to Spinal Tap, like, they just made, like, a measurement mistake. (laughs) 
Oh, that would like, be whoops. fantastic. It just shows up as giant human being. <laughs> I'm Paul Bunyan. I'm part of the human resistance. So, so somebody, you know, some Terminator it's kind of just furious. Right. I, all you gave me is a napkin. Look at what this, look at what this says. This says inches, not feet. Actually, it would be the reverse. It would be yes. feet instead of inches. Yes. Oh, I like that. And so they wasted all this rubber skin on that giant one too right. that just melted off immediately. Right. Yeah. Or just like, you know, he, I would just imagine he showed up with the rubber skin, like, open up. I'm in the resistance. You know, his <laughs> looming over everybody. Uh, so yeah, this sequence goes on pretty long too. There's he's got this Mad Max type tow truck, and you know they use the uh, the tow ball to, to get one of the Ducatis, and they're dragging it through. It hits a hunter killer. Yeah, none of this stuff really matters, other than you finally get the eventually the fighter fighter jets to show up, and both of them. I don't know how many of those jets they had, but John has really wasted them because they put up almost nothing of a fight. Yeah, and at this point, he does not know that Kyle is there, so he's risking, and he loses both of these jets for really no like no, tactical gain in the slightest. No objective is met. Even if they had succeeded, they would have gained nothing. So why is he risking? He's, first, I mean, he's wasting the fuel, and he's risking the jets. He loses both jets. It's crazy. Yeah, again, because some noise was made. You don't know, right? It could have been... A hundred people, or in this case, it literally was two people. Talk about wasting resources for two people. As yeah. it turns out, it was one of the right two people. But yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe that's he's just trying. He's he's so desperate to find Kyle that anytime he that does, anytime, anytime he finds a new new opportunity for new people, he's just going to use all of his resources. Maybe. This, I mean, this is insinuated that those are the last two jets, right? I didn't. I, did you say? I didn't, or no, we see some later. I think yeah. when they attack. Because yeah, they got. They seem to have an endless supply of helicopters. There's yeah, a lot of helicopters true. in this movie. And I think helicopters are much much harder to maintain. Like oh yes, the idea that they could still have like replacement parts and like <laughs> all that stuff. Like there's no infrastructure left. What are they? I mean, they must have just a warehouse of you know helicopter parts and whatever. Skynet didn't attack. They attacked. Some military institutions, they just left the warehouses alone that had the spare parts. Right. Just the, the, the giant helicopter depot, the secret Listen, Area 51 helicopter depot. Exactly, that Brent Spiner is hanging out with in, uh, with aliens in Independence Day. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they take everyone but Marcus. Um, I think there's some pretty cool moments where he ends up in the river and the things, the, the jet's crashing and it just misses him. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, there are individual moments that are really thrilling, but just overall, it's it doesn't feel like much is at stake. It's just somehow it, it's less than the sum of its parts. This chase, like all, and really most action sequences, there are individual moments like individual shots. Like that's a really cool shot. That's a really yep. exciting shot. But overall, it just doesn't really hold no, together. And, and I, and for me, I didn't know if it was because I really liked and thought the the opening one was so well done and I thought really plausible, or if it's just I got fatigue. You know, it's like how many of these do I need? And they're kind of the same. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's true. They are very samey. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I I'm not sure anything of them. You know, really kind of stands apart. But yeah. so you get yeah, Marcus is down in the river, and then the model <laughs> model pilot is what I had yeah. uh, is, is hanging. Hanging from uh, not power lines, but I think a power line tower. Right. Yeah. Moon blood good. But anyway, they make their way back to the base, and the prisoners are making their way to Skynet. Like, yeah, for a while, not that much happens. Plot no, I, I said basically a day is burned of them hiking and Kyle Reese saying, "You need to survive." Yeah. Like an entire day is burned. Yeah. I mean, th- this middle section there is definitely a pretty long lull, basically yeah. until Marcus gets to the base. 
Because there's a scene where they end up in Skynet, like the prison or whatever. I do like the guy tries to make a run for it and jump over the fence. And the Terminator has a bandana on. <laughs> Maybe that's Blaine. Oh, yes. That's, that's, that's actually the one is. that I should have said was Blaine that Bot. That is absolutely Blaine Bot. I think, I'm pretty sure he's got a minigun, too. Oh, they, I think the T-600, it's like standard operating procedure. They get the Blaine uh, really? minigun. But you're right. That one does have a bandana. Even when they're trying to infiltrate the humans, it still has, I think that they just, yes, they just walk around like, with a minigun. It's like attached to their hand. It's uh, also covered in rubber. Just like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? That's just uh, no. That is just my appendage. That's my medical condition. <laughs> um, and then yeah. So then Williams, which is Moon Bloodgood's character's name, and Marcus set up camp, and this is where you get the established uh, that he's got a, a heartbeat. Well, I mean, at this point, we have no reason to believe anything other than he's a human being that somehow came back from the dead. Yeah, I mean. It's just hard to believe that he came back from the dead, but right. I mean, we don't. At this point, all we know is that he was executed, and now he's back, and we don't know why. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess some people would probably jump to the conclusion that oh, he's probably some kind of a robot. But so my question, so I, so this is also just before this where they have that fight sequence. This is where that you know nude scene is, which I'm, I honestly all I could think of was Patrick Stewart because I'm like, there's no reason why this needs to be in there. Is there? Is it when they're sitting around the fire? No, it's before. So. I had wondered, I'm like, why does she have all these antibiotics just, you know, sitting out there and those guys come over and she says, oh, I've got plenty for everybody. Right. You know what? I do remember there being a really, really awkward cut. And that's what's missing in between. that makes sense. Is Marcus is like kind of scavenging for stuff, you know, at a distance. And she's basically because she I think she took some sort of wound in like her shoulder. And she, of course, needs to take off her top and her bra and everything. Okay. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. For people who haven't seen it, it's one of the greatest cameos of all time of Patrick Stewart and extras. I, <laughs> I thought highly recommend it. I thought you were about to give your opinion of Moon Blood Good. Just like for those of you who haven't seen it. Oh no! I, mean, I, I just, think, I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures. So no, I, just the the line from Patrick Stewart. I've seen everything. I've seen it all. Right. Uh, but it's it's totally point. I mean, it it is like a 1980s movie. I'm like, there's they're really this is not, and that's the reason why it got cut. But it it's is very comically aw- gratuitous, that yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 whatever. And so it is then really awkward that those guys just kind of come like wandering in, and she's got bandages and stuff. It's like, how did you get to this? And that's why because that that was cut. That makes sense because yeah, I, I definitely remember there being it was just like they're hunkering down for the night, and suddenly it's like. Oh, I think it's raining, and then suddenly they cut, it's, and it's not right, raining. It's not raining anymore. All yeah, of that yeah, yeah. stuff. It just doesn't doesn't fit. It's all coming back to me. Uh, yeah, and there's this fight. It's it's interesting how she. You expect her to be like this badass, and she's like, no, she needs Marcus to save her. <laughs> See, I, yeah, and I didn't like that, but she because the, they established it at first. I mean, but it is three on one, so I guess that is somewhat fair. Yeah. Um, and then he obviously is a machine, but I, I I don't like the. There's two things about this these sequences I don't like. One, they should really reveal when these guys get hit by him you you should know he's a machine at this point stuff should be breaking on those guys yeah i mean they obviously didn't want to reveal it yet in which case they shouldn't have had this fight shouldn't have had a fight that that's my beef and then when she wants body heat from him i, I know they talk about bad breath and all this can do they simulate are there like heating coils inside of marcus to simulate body heat I, i'll bet they i'll bet do you think see that's what i have mean. to be all right Right? If they have bad breath, I'm sure they have ways to simulate body heat. I got to think. I mean, so, so there was no sex scene. I was actually kind of thinking, like, if, no, if there was nudity no. that they actually, like, had sex there. Nope. But she kind of you know, holds on to him, like, oh, I need your body heat. But they're sitting a mile away from the fire. It's like, well, of course you're cold. The <laughs> fire is, like, <laughs> 100 true. yards away. That is true. Why I even build the fire? <laughs> that was the part that bothered me. Uh, and then, you're right. The The next thing I had is you. <laughs> I had the... 
the Blaine bot, but I just called that for every T600, but that one I forgot about the bandana. That is Blaine yeah, right there. It's the bandana, you're right. Yes, guns that guy down trying to make a break for it. That was so foolish. Where were you going to go, man? <laughs> I just wanted a whole movie about that that T600. That that would be an interesting sidebar. How did he get the bandana? Yeah. How did and is he does he, he like, got the bandana? The other guy got the boots. Like they were probably a team and they killed the guys like <laughs> They like did paper, scissors, rock. So who gets the bandana? Who gets the boots? And, he, and the guy who has the better job got the bandana. Yeah. And he he basically he probably has the T one doing a bunch of his work too. Is what my guess is. The T one <laughs> is you know doing a lot of that T six hundred Blaine bots work is what I think. He's like the the Biff and T yes, one is George, George McFly. McFly. Hello, <laughs> I, I need it in my handwriting yes. in my uh, Robo writing. Uh, anyway, John's they they him and Common uh, take down. An aircraft using the signal or testing it out, which whatever. Yeah, um, we didn't talk about that. That uh, I guess because the character played by Colin, I don't know what the character Barnes name was. is his name. Barnes, yes. His brother, you learned that he died, and I think it's Terry Crews. Did you notice Terry Crews in that opening sequence? I read that, but I did not see it. He's definitely they like it's when John comes out of the hole and he's like, "Oh, what happened?" And it just pans down. And there's Terry Crews just dead, and they it's like a half a second. I, I was watching it. going like, is that Terry Crews? He's just a dead guy? <laughs> He's literally just dead. <laughs> is he just a dead guy? So I assume that's what it was supposed to be, is that guy is, was supposed to be Common's brother. Uh, I, There's a whole subplot. I, none of it matters. Yeah, I did read that Terry Crews was in it and just basically got cut out, written out. Well, not written out, but cut out. He, he must not have been in it much because he's dead in the opening sequence. Yeah, so. no, I think he was just in it that he had some dialogue during the, the sequence right. down in the hole. He's one of the John's guys who gets killed in the exactly. Anyway, they get back and there's a minefield and there's a minefield and there it's a magnetic minefield and finally this is where you reveal that Marcus is a machine or part machine. Right. That seems like a mostly machine. He's yeah, got a human right. heart and a human brain, right? And cerebral cortex and a heart. That's about it. Yes. Right. And the rest of his, him is a terminator. But uh, yeah, well, well, we'll get to it at the end. I don't understand how they get all of his skin back on after they've revealed that he's a machine. So was he's at when he's at Skynet with Helena Bonham Carter? They oh, fixed yeah. all of his skin again. Like, How did that happen? I thought, well, what is this? That's true. I didn't think about that because it, he's not a T one thousand, right? It's not, and it's not rubber. No. So how did they fix him? Yeah, I didn't think about that at all. It infuriated me. It happens off screen, or they just cut back to him. All, and it's like, no, all, I'm okay now. I mean, I know why it is, is because it was it's going to be expensive, right? So they were trying to save money to <laughs> yeah. just have it be Sam Worthington. Same thing. Like, you'll get down here when they take him apart. When he escapes, they get, they get him to put on a jacket. It's right. like, yeah, they need to have a jacket because they don't want to pay to have him CGI the whole time. Yeah. So I understand that. But the the skin thing bothered me when all of a sudden you just cut and his, his head is fixed. Yeah, I did not think about that. Because, yeah, other Terminator movies established that human skin has to heal. It's not something you can repair. It has to heal. It's, it's you know, I mean, Genesis came later, but there's the whole subplot of just, like, it's going to take months for my hand, my arm, or whatever to heal up right. and for my skin to regrow. Unless it's like the T-1000, right, where he's just changing shape and it's liquid metal. Right. Does something, something happen in the first Terminator where, I mean, his eye obviously gets... Yeah, he has to do repairs and he's like peeling peeling it back and then that's when it's, you know, it's it's damaged. Right. Yeah, you're right. How could they, they can't just they no. give him a whole new like set of skin? No, it, it, <laughs> it infuriated me. Wow, I didn't think about that. You're right. That makes zero sense. Anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah, the minefield and him and John have a conversation. Yeah, so then they, they cut him open, and that's when they realize what he is. And, you know, that, I don't know. That's it, 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 It's a very similar conversation to the one in Batman versus Superman, where it's, it all revolves around someone saying a particular name. Yep. You know, it's just like, 
you tried to kill my mother. And Martha. Then, <laughs> Martha. I mean, I was I was waiting for Christian Bale to say, why did you say that name? Because Mar- it just so happens. Well, I guess John Connor's the one who says the name first, but it's like, you tried to kill my mother, and then you tried to kill my father, Kyle Reese. Why specifically? <laughs> it's because the the plot yes, needs it, to. It has to because he's the MacGuffin. Marcus right. and John need to both learn that they both have something. No, Kyle Reese. Yeah, which is the same thing that happened. Just so happened, he said Martha. Martha. So stupid. Martha Wayne. I actually kind of like parts of that movie, but that whole thing is stupid. Spoilers, but whatever. We talked around it more. Or the less. entire thing is dumb. Um, but you know, like this should raise questions with Marcus. I, I know that he's. Gone through a real trauma, and he's just learned that he's a robot, and that's a lot to take in. But Marcus knows Kyle Reese. John has just told him that Kyle is his father. Marcus has no questions about this. So, hey, that's that, a good point. The Kyle Reese I know is a teenager, and you're like in your thirties. You know, you'd think he'd be like, "Oh, we must be talking about a different person." But no, I mean, the plot has to. The plot revolves around them knowing that they're talking about Kyle Reese, etc. Right. So you, you're right. There's a very big gap in logic. You know, you, it takes a lot to. It's a big leap. It's either Marcus doesn't think about it, or you know, things don't quite fit together. Oh. You know. So then you you basically have you know Marcus here to be target practice for Common a little bit, and then Williams, played by Moon Bloodgood, wants to help him escape because she's she, in love with him. I, I don't know. Or what I had is she's pretty quick to trust him. I mean. They haven't spent a lot of time together. That's why I thought maybe when you said there was a the, missing the, scene. Yeah, that it was that they actually had sex because it's just like, nope. yeah, that she has this suddenly she has this emotional connection with him. No, and it, it doesn't seem earned, but I think they just wanted to move the plot along quicker. And so she helps him escape effectively. It should have been John who in the end is convinced because, I mean, really, that happens anyway. Yeah, There's an could, action sequence where they escape and then it's a, it's some... Again, nice individual think, moments where they're escaping. I think this stuff too, because this felt—I mean, this felt more like a you know, like a not Vietnam, but this felt like a war movie. I mean, yeah. and I know that it's supposed to because this is not machines; this is humans, right? This well, well other than Marcus, uh, and this is where he puts that coat on so that when he escapes, they don't have to have CGI for it, <laughs> right? Uh, there was another connection here, which I didn't get the first time I went through, but the second time because she she gets hit somewhere in this action sequence. And uh, when she's going to help him escape by basically pulling the old switcheroo with the coat. But she says uh, that she's shot in the leg. And uh, she says, I'll live, which was perfect. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely, because all like, you son of a bitch, you shot. That's what I wanted or was thinking in the background. That's a pretty subtle one if that's intentional. I think I, because there's enough of them in here and some of them are more subtle than others. Yeah, there's one, I, there's one coming up in a bit. It's yeah, not very subtle. not subtle at all. <laughs> the music stops. <laughs> Let's wait until it gets there. Uh, but like that one, if it wasn't intentional, then, hey, it's better to be lucky than good. But I think it was intentional because, I mean, she's hitting the, she's like, oh, it's, you know, just, I'll live all I can. You son of a bitch, you shot me. Yeah, you may be right. It's yeah. probably intentional. Yeah, Marcus great escapes his way out. He gets a motorcycle just so he can make a big jump and then falls off the motorcycle. It's like, okay, the motorcycle sequence is over now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I jumped ahead. It's actually during her interrogation that she says, you oh, know, I'm okay. in the light. But because I had, sorry, I'm looking at my note and I said, this is the shortest interrogation that there has ever been. Well, because by the time, in the time between she let Marcus go and John comes back, John has to totally right, come around come to her full way circle. of thinking. Right, yeah. So this movie would be so much more interesting if John was the one who, because look, he has plenty of experience with friendly machines. machines. Right. 
And you're right. And that, that is somewhere. And maybe as I got later in this is that that, that was a criticism I had is that it would seem like at the very beginning, he, he almost would, would trust him almost implicitly because of the, the T 800 in Terminator two. Right. I mean, there, it should have been a process where Marcus convinces him because he says, like, I looked in his eyes and I saw a man. Right. And, and, and in particular, because in T3, they established, you know, I know you didn't like it, but that they use the Arnold, you know, T-800 to infiltrate and kill him. Right. It would make more sense if John had had come to trust this Marcus really quickly and been validated. Right. That he trusted Marcus, not just be, he trusted a machine that didn't look like his father figure from T2, but he trusted a machine that ultimately donates a heart to him. Right. It's a machine that he did not reprogram. It's right. like, you it, know, so I, yeah, I, I, agree. I completely I, agree with you that it, it's a mistake not to have John almost immediately have more of a connection or a belief in Marcus. And to be, I, I don't think that he should be con- as confrontational as he is with Marcus. Well, I don't know about immediately, but I think Marcus should have convinced John that he's all right. Whereas what actually happens is Marcus escapes, John tracks him down, and then Marcus saves John's life yeah. from the Aquabots, whatever they're called. <laughs> John takes like some a, GoBot stuff, the yeah. names of these things. <laughs> John, in his defense, he did take down a few of those. Those, those are did. clearly inferior machines because he has uh, you know, probably an M16 or something. He's just mowing those things down. He just runs out of bullets. Does he run out of bullets? Or I, I thought he only had a pistol, right? Because well, the helicopter crashes, a whole bunch of no, stuff. No, but he, he has a machine gun. And he takes down a few of them, and then he runs out of bullets in that, and then the then he pulls a pistol. Yeah, then okay. that's what he's down to, and that's when yeah, Marcus jumps in and destroys. Right. Them. So John only ends up trusting Marcus because Marcus saves his life. Yeah, you know that that makes it more of an emotional decision. It's like, oh, you saved my life, I owe you, or whatever. It's, it should have been like that. John is convinced that Marcus is telling the truth. Right. You know, even if in the end it was a whole ploy that we don't quite understand by the machines, right? Yeah. I mean, in the end, if if Marcus had a chip in his head. I guess the chip doesn't control Marcus's actions. No, somehow free will in the human brain controls his actions, which doesn't make sense either. Right, because if the machines had control over Marcus, Marcus would have just killed him right in the river. Right. Or let the things kill him. No, but apparently... So what does that chip do, now that I think about it? What, I, what is even the chip? Is it just there to help him? No, because I, I was about to say, is the chip there so that he can control his robot legs and arms? But he tears it out of his head, and he can still control himself. Yeah. So the chip does nothing. We put a chip in you that does absolutely nothing. Uh, the chip this movie is garbage. You know what? This may be worse than T3. <laughs> in, uh, in the moment, I enjoy, I enjoy a lot of this movie. But boy, like the, when you actually like stop and talk about well, what you know, this movie's about, it's terrible. No, and we're getting to Act 3 when it really yeah, unravels here. But before we do that, I, I did forget one thing on the Ducatis. I wanted to ask you, because I know you had looked at Terminator Vision a lot in the, in the initial ones. What I kind of liked, I slowed it down a little bit. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but like when some of the debris and stuff is, is falling towards one of the motorcycles, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's got basically like calibrating and braking and stuff. I just... what ran through my mind is like we're we're on the cusp we're not there but our driverless cars is it going to look like that where you're going to like see a screen that's telling you all of the computations that it's going through oh i bet that's actually the way it is like obviously like not like a visual representation of no it, but, but that's sure. what i want how freaky would it be though if you actually saw like the as you're riding in the car like the visual representation of all the computations that it's going through i don't think it'd be freaky i think it'd be cool i would love yeah. to see that okay i'm on record a lot of people disagree with me but i'm on record i would i i'll take the first self-driving car <laughs> off the <laughs> off the assembly line the, off the line absolutely I am. I welcome our robot future. 
<laughs> robot overlords. Because I mean, really, I spend two hours a day in my commute. It's like I understand. I would love to have a robot drive me to work and back. I, I just wanted to ask because I did notice, and I thought that it was a nice detail that they had. Because it gets pretty complex of like what it's going through to make adjustments, and what literally stuff is exploding and, and yeah, no, flying at. I agree. It. It's a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So now we're basically we're we're getting right here into the third act. This thing just implodes. Yeah, I agree. This is the part where it really starts to fall apart. Where you know, Marcus yeah. heads north towards San Francisco. I hear. Can I just ask this right now? How does he get there? You will establish that John has to hijack a motorcycle. How <laughs> does Marcus get there? I guess he walks. He despite the fact, <laughs> despite the fact that I forgot about this, that that Michael Ironside establishes that they're going to attack in four days. Right. That's why I had so, the note of like they kill a day with uh, Kyle just saying you've got to survive. You're right. I didn't think about how did how he get did to Marcus San Francisco get from L.A. to San Francisco, and I mean, it's not even L.A. because he's he's they get out of L.A. so they're west of Los Angeles for wherever John's base is. So he has well, to east go, of Los Angeles, west of Los Angeles. Oh, east. I'm Pacific sorry. Yeah, no, east, I'm thinking the wrong way. The submarine he's, is west of yeah, Los Angeles. He's east, so he has to go west and north. Right. Yeah, you're right. I don't know how he... Magic. He beamed himself there. <laughs> he got Anton Yelchin to, he, to beam him there. <laughs> Except for he didn't play that character. <laughs> That's true. No, he does, he does beaming in those movies. I guess a little bit, you're right. Yeah, he, he in the first movie, at least, for sure. And, and so and here's another. So, I, so Connor says that the attack is a mistake. Iron says, says you're relieved of your command. He does not have him arrested. He did, Ironside well, is a terrible admiral general. Well, nobody would follow his orders, though. No, if he ordered someone to arrest John, they wouldn't follow that order I either. Guess, I so guess it's that's like, true. He literally, he, at no point in this movie was he ever in command. No. The fact that he got bullied into letting John onto the submarine <laughs> proves that. I mean, John has always been in command. You as know? much as I like Ironside, he's all hat, no cattle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there should have been more of a confrontation. There should have been more like factions. But like, I, literally everyone is on John's yes. side. No. Michael Ironside faction is literally those five guys in the sub. It's just the model UN. Yeah, he has the UN behind him, and that's it. <laughs> and even the Russian guys kind of on the fence. <laughs> if push really came to shove, you're right. You're like, no, I'm with John. Yeah, I think that, that Russian guy is more on John's side. <laughs> he just he has to work with Michael Ironside every day. It's it's like, a, and it's a small working environment. When yeah. you're on a sub, you're, you're really on top of each other. Yeah, and publicly, he's got to support Michael Ironside. But... <laughs> But deep down, he's really a John Connor fan. He's, he's the Michael Ironside resistance, like the internal <laughs> yes. resistance. The bro- rogue, uh, he's at rogue submarine or whatever. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. What do you want to cover in this third act? We've covered some of it. I, I just, well, it's, it's too bad. Before we actually start in the third act, it's something I, uh, we didn't talk about. Is the character of Kate, John Connor's wife. You know, Total waste. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. She's pregnant. Never comes up. They don't even mention it. It's not even a thing like, oh, you know, in three months we'll have a child. They never talk about it. They never acknowledge it. It's not a thing. We never learn anything about this future child. In Genesis, doesn't seem to be no, a thing. No, it's true. And I don't think, I, I didn't find any, you know, like I said, in the deleted scenes, there were so few. It's not like I think there was anything throwaway that got cut. But nothing comes of it. It's such a weird dangling thing. I didn't really remember that at all. I'm just like, oh, she's pregnant. And then. I wonder if they made it that, that they just wanted to have it a reason why she wouldn't be out on missions with John. Is is that maybe the reason why? I mean, she does go to Cyberdyne in the end. I mean, she's, she's yeah, the second right. wave, but yeah, still. You're right. She does. So I, I, I don't have a good explanation it's, for that. It, it's a weird thing. I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's, it just never even comes up. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you'd think they'd have some throwaway dialogue of just, you know, two more months or, you know, whatever. No, nothing. 
Yeah, so that was weird. But anyway, yeah, they're they're going to go off to Cyberdyne. Here's where we get his his line. What should I tell your men? <laughs> what, 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 what did she say? How did she set him up? If, if yeah, what should if, I tell if your they men? ask where you went, what should I tell them? Or no, I, if whatever, it's something like that. Yeah, it's what should I tell them? That's the setup. Right. I'll be back. Music stops. Yeah. Pause. I'll be back. First of all, it's blasphemous. It is. John Connor should say, "I'll be back." Like that line is way beyond the Terminator franchise at this point. That's Arnold's line. It's his line, absolutely. Absolutely cannot do that. No, I I did like though that this is then where you know John sets the trap for one of those Ducatis and shows him who's boss. Yeah, with and the the Guns and Roses song. Did you? I I actually did like that. I know it's not subtle, but I like I like to think that John is somehow. He found that same boombox that he was bombing around <laughs> yeah, in the L.A. Be. River. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. Like, yeah, it's 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 kind of a funny connection to Terminator Two, but the the Christian Bale John Connor does not seem the least bit like the same character. Like, that that is true. It's he, almost like jarring. Like, oh right, <laughs> he's Edward Furlong. Ugh, you know, like you're it's right, weird. Nick Stahl isn't like that either. You'd think that like at some point he gave up that he he gave up that boombox, right? And then all of a sudden, it's back. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still kind of liked it. Part of me likes it. Part of me doesn't. But I, I have mixed feelings about it. So then somehow the roads are cleared enough that he can just beeline it right to San Francisco. Well, just the idea. I mean, I guess the, if, if... How are there not machines on patrol that he runs into along the way? Well, uh, there are lines of dialogue in this movie that make it seem like the machines don't control the entire world. He, John Connor has lines like saying, like, oh, they've never come this far, which implies that humankind has control over at least part of I guess. territory. That, that is true. He has that they haven't gone in this deep before. They right. must really want something. You're it right. It seems like really they control the cities and right. that's that, about that, it. That's where they, mainly because that's where most of the people are. So, you, again, you don't want to try and control everything. Just control what really matters and probably most of the resources that were left were in the cities. So they use that infrastructure to start you know, building their T-800s. Is there infrastructure, though? They nuked all these cities. I mean, it seems like... Well, there had to be, be some. I mean, it, there's a lot of places for humans to hide. It, it almost seemed... like All the previous Terminator movies almost seemed like the opposite, where it's like humans moved back into the cities because they were so wrecked that they could easily hide. I mean, like rats, like we were talking about earlier. It's yeah, like, maybe. Whereas... You know, this movie makes it seem like humans control everything except the cities. Yeah. The machines moved in and took Well, there's a lot of inconsistencies, so just chalk that up to to them. So, you know, you get the the sequence here with Marcus. He he heads back in. They they just let him in. I kind of like that. They know him by name, which I think is funny. Oh, yeah, you're right. Marcus Marcus Wright. (laughs) They know his name. That, That's such a weird that must really make the Blaine bot really jealous. I bet you they would. All those other Terminators would hate that Marcus has a name, and they're just you know T six you know T six hundred model right. two model three. Yeah, and they don't even have. Why like does a unique this jerk get a name? Yeah. I've got a bandana. You'd think just based on the fact that he has a name, he, anyone with a name should not be allowed in Cyberdyne right. or in, in Skynet. So he gets in and you gets some download. He gives some information to John. I don't know. It, it, it gets nonsensical, and eventually you get to the bad belt hell in the bottom Carter. Yeah, it really is kind of like uh, the architect in the Matrix, yep. where it's just like, I am here to give you all sorts of information. Exposition. And why is she telling him all this? Like, if he's done his role, and Skynet's just going to be like, now I'm going to tell you everything we've done, you know? Why? They should kill him. Like, okay, thanks. Now you're you, dead. You're like literally. He's a human no, being, right? You no longer have a purpose. 
Yeah. So we can now terminate you. Well, apparently there's like only one Terminator in this whole complex. In the, in the center of Skynet, they have one Terminator. Well, they're, building, they're building a bunch, but it also, the, the one that they have is indestructible, and this just infuriates me. Well, more indestructible than previous movies? Absolutely. It has a bunch of like molten lava fall on it, and it just keeps going. That's true. It's, it was infuriating to me. This thing is like unstoppable. I think I think the Terminator in T1 would have kept going if Molten Lava had... You think so? I don't think so. I mean, in T2, it fell in a whole like, vat of it. Whereas if it just fell on top of it... I, I guess. He like, I, got off from under it. It kind of like, like crawled out of the yeah, danger. I, I don't know. This thing just seems unstoppable where the, the, other, the original T-800, particularly then the... T- the one, the T eight fifty, as I, uh, I I erroneously was calling it the T eight hundred, but the T eight fifty, oh right, yeah, Terminator we three, the sad sack, as you said, it that one, he, oh lava, I can't survive that. I don't think it's that inconsistent with previous movies, but it is a lot. I mean, the Terminator is very kind of messed up after that, so I guess I I don't know. He crawls out of lava and then he gets to like it's 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 the end of Alien three is actually what it is. <laughs> it gets a little carbonite. Well, I think the hot and the cold. Like, slow one after the other slows it down. Blah, blah, blah. That didn't bother me. I mean, the, the T-800s were always pretty un- unstoppable. I don't know. And then this is also where you get the we've destroyed ourselves. Poor Ironside. He, uh, yeah. he gave his signal away. I like the fact that it's on a submarine. All it made me think of, you arrogant ass, you've killed us. On <laughs> <laughs> Friday, October. Yes. Stellan Skarsgård. Um, it's a very similar... I wonder oh, if they were thinking about that it, scene. It, I mean... Probably the audience, you know, there's a lot of members in the audience probably hadn't seen Hunt for Red October to see in Terminator Salvation, but that certainly is reminiscent of it. Yeah. So, okay, Roland Kickinger is the body double, by the way. Now that that we're actually to these notes, I can actually say it. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of Terminator tosses. We already talked about that. He just throws them over his shoulder and, you know... Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's not much to talk about with this ending. It's, it's just no. It's a couple of different fight sequences. You get a punch to the heart, which infuriated me because I'm like, why doesn't he just? Why doesn't the T under just punch John Connor in the heart? Yeah, he. I mean, he eventually he, he puts like a, a something through his chest. right? Yes, he does eventually. Yeah, he takes a sweet time about it though. That's for sure. Yeah, and I shouldn't knock that too much. That's just part of the the franchise. It is. Yeah. No, I mean this is the worst offender for sure. It's like there's a long sequence, this long fight, and. John is no match for a T-800. No, like, not only that, he's over there, like, setting... Oh, so that's the other thing I, I wanted to highlight with you. So, you know, he, John goes over, and he's setting up all these explosive devices. How furious would he be? Because the little girl who is inconsequential in the whole movie, she takes the detonator with her. Oh, I wondered how she got it. I wasn't paying that close she attention. She picks it up, like, off the ground. Can you imagine? So he's effectively... The- did John just forget about it? Like, how does that happen? I don't, well, he must he not have known it. that he dropped it. And okay. so what's funny is he's going to go on a suicide mission, right? Because he sends them up on the elevator. Right. And he's just going to, you know, basically face off with the Terminator and then blow it up using, which, which I know you hate from T3. I know. The, the fact that it's the same writers. Is just yeah. Like, <laughs> they just, well, we've established this. We're yeah. going to use it. But he said, I just, all I could think of was Hans. I need my detonators. How furious would he be? And, like, yeah. sending people to look for his detonators, and now all he knows is, well, it's up in the helicopter. So he didn't even have it then when he was fighting the T-800? No. So why did he stay behind? He, well, he, I think he thought he had it, and she picks <laughs> it up off the ground. 
<laughs> so, I mean, she can't speak, I guess. So do you think it would be like, hey, you staying behind is now pointless because I took yeah. your detonator. Yeah. So. I, I missed that detail. Yeah, so the, she's got the detonator, and eventually he gets it back in the helicopter, and that's when they blow it up. But how, I mean, how infuriating would it be <laughs> that you've done all this work and then you're looking through your bag. Oh, man, I don't know how to activate any of this stuff because somebody took my detonator. Yeah. Um, at some point in here, he finds Kyle Reese. Yeah. They meet finally. This is the first time John Connor is meeting his father. You're right. And he's just like, what's your name? Kyle Reese. Okay, let's go. Come with me. It's so, like, underplayed. And yeah. There's no real moment to it. No. Nope. First time he's meeting Kyle Reese. These two, the two most important characters in the whole franchise. In the franchise meeting, and it's... Yeah. Inconsequential. And it's like, they're in the middle of this dangerous situation. What's your name? You think Kyle would be like, well, let's get to know each other later, you weirdo. Like, <laughs> I, he doesn't know John is. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's You're right. a weird moment. Leave me alone. But whatever. Uh, yeah, they escape and he blows it up. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. And then so you get to the end. He needs a new heart and it's going to be Marcus's. Right. Which is not the original ending. I didn't know that. Oh, you don't know what? The, no. This? What's the original ending? Is it like uh, end of days where Marcus survives? Uh, yes. You won't believe this. You'll think I'm making this up. The original ending was that John Connor dies of his injuries, and the people in the tents, like his wife and Co- Common's character in them, decide that John Connor is too important, and they somehow oh my God. M- make Marcus look like John Connor, or like on. something, something, and he becomes John Connor and goes on. Yes. I swear, that was the original ending. Oh, that is terrible. And it leaked, because I remember when it leaked. And I read it, I was like, I'm just going to read it, whatever, I'll spoil myself. And I was like, that's the dumbest. And there was an outrage, like, if they, if this is real, it turned out it actually was real. But one of the rare cases where like a leak like that was actually totally true. And they changed the ending because of the reaction to the leak. Wow. Like, oh, people are really mad. That would have been terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, this ending isn't good, but that, I mean, that, wow. Wait, talk about making the whole... The whole storyline, all four movies it's become pointless. Lie. Yeah, right. Because the whole the, the idea was machines are sending people back in time just to stop John Connor, and in the end, it was Marcus who was the one it's actually a doing it. Machine. Yeah, yeah, that would have been terrible, awful. What an awful idea. Our, I, I saw this movie with our mutual friend Chris, who we've mentioned from time to time, and yeah. I remember somehow one of us knew. I think I, I knew about it, and I told him after you know, the movie when was we over. saw it in theater. And he's like, oh, that would have been a great ending. I'm like, are you crazy? I remember getting an like extended argument. I'm just like. An extended argument like you told me in is it Die Hard 3. Oh, right. Yeah, Die Hard 3. <laughs> that was puzzle. That was, yeah, that was us trying to solve the puzzle. How do you get five? I, I still know the answer to that puzzle. How do you get four gallons in a five-gallon jug? <laughs> how do you get four gallons into a five-gallon you jug? You want to know how you did? Yes. You fill three gallons. You, fill, you pour three gallons into the five-gallon jug. You fill the three-gallon jug again. <laughs> You pour two gallons, because now there's two gallons of empty space in the five, so you pour two gallons in. Now you've got five in one hand, you've got one gallon in the three. Pour out the five, pour the one gallon into the five, fill three gallons, pour it into the five, now you've got four gallons. <laughs> Which one of I'll you... Never, I'll never, until the end of the day I die, I'll remember how that <laughs> Which one of you solved the puzzle in I the theater? I remember. Well, that I was can, a long time ago. I can say I agree with you on this one. That ending is atrocious. I'd be I'm, curious to know if he still believes that. Just you know, that was, absolutely atrocious. That is terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a bad idea. The idea I, that they, anyone would think thought that was like, a good idea. Yeah. In particular, of how bad this third act is. I mean, I probably, if, if I sat through that movie and was getting kind of infuriated about the third act and that's how it ended. Oh, I know. Wow. 
I mean, it, it just goes to show it could be a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I, this ending is so, it does feel kind of tacked down when you know that, because the funny thing about this ending is just like, John is dying, and Marcus is totally fine, <laughs> and he's just like, I'll die. If he, yeah. if I can make him live, I'll, I'll kill myself. I'm done. And everyone's absolutely okay with it. Even John, you'd think John would be like, no, don't do that. He's, just, he's like, cool, yes, please die. <laughs> John Connor, this like great hero, hero, he's like, you will die so that I may live. I'm more important than hey, you. I'm John Connor. <laughs> you know, just one line of dialogue, like you, you know, him protesting. No, I put up a little fight. No, everybody's okay with Everyone's it. Everyone's just like, F you, robot. You know, <laughs> Kyle's feeling good because he got his jacket that he's going to, you know, his iconic jacket that he'll have in the first movie. Everybody's feeling good. Yeah. It should have been like a guilt trip thing. Like, I almost wish it would have been like, you know, everyone standing around going like, if only we had a human heart, then we could, you know. <laughs> you, there's a version of this, too, where you could say, come on, Tin Man, you got your heart for a while. Give it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, like Marcus is the most interesting character in this movie, and he—he's—it's not like he's dying. He's—he's perfectly absolutely fine. fine. He somehow miraculously had his skin fixed. I mean, he's right, in, yeah, he's, he's in, in better shape than he was in the middle of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, even like when he crawls out of that hole, you're right. <laughs> he's pristine. Like he's been scrubbed up, and he's had a shower. You know, and everybody's just ready to take his heart. Yeah, and then you get like a voiceover about Mar- like Marcus is being like, "Here's what it means to be human, and here's what separates us from the machines." It's just like you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you think anymore. But yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe the reason why the original ending was Marcus becoming John is because this whole trilogy was supposed to be about Marcus, and then when they changed that, it's like now he's dead. So <laughs> the, the main character's movie is dead, and they're, they it ends with like here comes another sequel, which they never really made. No, I mean Genesis isn't isn't even remotely a follow up to this. Nope. So, yeah, no. I, I mean, I don't know if. Do you think if there had been more, would it really have been that interesting? You know, would they have been interesting? Uh, I mean, it would have been interesting. Or is it just too much like Mad Max ish? That it's like, do you really care? I think they could have done it in a way where that does dovetail with Terminator One in an interesting way to actually show a trilogy, and the last movie ends with the time machine and all that to I, actually build up to it. Because I think that's the one problem with I have with Genesis is just like. Yeah, time machine. There we go. Like you know, it's this thing we've wanted to see through this entire franchise. Yeah. and Genesis just throws it away. They could have really built up. I to think this you're moment. right. Yeah, that that probably is the one missed opportunity so far in the franchise, and I, I don't think it'll ever be be solved, even with T six. Uh, that's you know currently being discussed. Is you're right. I would like to see. Like, how did they solve for this? Who who created the time machine? How you know we we know Doctor Emmett Brown and what he was working on for how long? But how how did time travel come to exist in this universe? Yeah, in the beginning of Genesis, Genesis it's just like oh, there's a time machine. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, the leap from I mean you know cyborgs are pretty like sci-fi, but sci- uh, cyborgs and time machines are very different kinds of technologies. Like I agree, it just seems like it still seems like a pretty big leap. Yeah. Did we even talk about Terminator Six? Did we forget to talk about that at the beginning of the show? Uh, yeah, we did. So we recorded. We forgot, it. or we talked about it? Uh, no, we forgot to mention it. <laughs> I was like, let's make sure we talk about that. Yeah, and we both well, totally well, forgot. Uh, I didn't forget because I figured we'd just do it at the end. So we we <laughs> okay. did a, a quick episode. We were going to do as a bonus episode, uh, talking about our thoughts about the uh, announced or discussed, I guess, uh, Terminator Six, which James Cameron um, is going to be in some way involved in. And uh, upon Kevin listening to that episode, it was terrible. So we are throwing that away. We just didn't have anything. There's just not, nothing to talk about yet. All right, there's not really bones. We said, hey, there's there's this announcement about a new Terminator movie. 
directed by the what's the guy's name who directed Deadpool? I can't never remember his name. Uh, Miller, uh, Tim, Tim Miller. Miller. I think it's Tim Miller. Okay, and we were like, let's just do an episode about that and talk about what we want. And because there's no information, and also because I didn't expect you to say that you don't want a new Terminator movie. It's like, let's do an episode talking about what we want. I don't want a Terminator movie. Oh, <laughs> now we don't have an episode. I'm not, bl- I'm not blaming you because I also don't know what I want. I want. To, I think I'm looking forward to it, but I just I don't want a remake of T2, basically, and I don't want right. a remake of Salvation where it's all in the future. So I don't they know like what I want. They like They like Scratchy. <laughs> you don't know what you want. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I want, and you don't want it, it yeah. sounds like. So, Even though James Cameron's involved, you don't want Terminator. 6? I mean, I'm mo- I'm more interested and more excited about that. I just I'm not sure there's anything left to ring out of this franchise. Yeah, you're probably right. It is, you know, I think there are the the pregnancy thing. I realized is a dangling thread that could get picked up if yeah. he wanted to. Like, and, and look, the, the time and, and for me, the time machine thing too would be interesting if they f- somehow figure out a way to not make it all salvation, all future. But give me some of that at a time machine. I'm, I'd be interested in that. But the question is, is James Cameron actually interested in picking up from where other people left off? Or probably. is he just going to ignore probably. Yeah, three, probably. four, and five? My, my guess is he ignores them. Yeah. Which would be unsatisfying in a different way. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it, say what you will about Genesis. It's a very different tone than Salvation. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. But it doesn't contradict anything. No. You can plausibly see how the John in Genesis is the future John. I mean, obviously they recast, but that is plausibly the future from Salvation. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that. So I don't know if if James Cameron decides to just throw all that away, that'd be a bummer. But it'd be a bummer unless it really was great. I mean, if it turned out that it was really, really, really was great, yeah, like T two great, I think I'd be okay with throwing all this, you know, the last three away. Yeah, probably. So we. Um, We've now covered Salvation, and when uh, we wrap up Arnold, we will have covered every Terminator, so I'm glad we did this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we, we kind of had to do. If we're, yeah. if, we're covering, if we're covering, you know, Jingle All the Way 2, <laughs> it's like if we're going to cover sequels to Arnold movies, <laughs> this probably should qualify. It's true. Even if he's not in it. It's true, and uh, so speaking of Jingle All the Way 2, I think we should let people know we've made a decision for our last bonus episode. Yeah, so we weren't originally going to do this. Yes. Because we were going to talk on, about... On one episode, you said you wouldn't put me through it, actually. <laughs> I, it's it's probably better than Terminator Salvation, actually, now that I... Oh, I'm, then I'm, I'm excited, then. <laughs> I've never seen it, so... Yeah, so Predator 2, we're yes. going to be doing next. Danny Glover and anybody else I'm going to know? Uh, who else is in... Oh, uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. Okay. Or not, uh, yeah, Maria Conchita Alonso. Just trying to remember. You must oh. be very proud of yourself. Um, what's his name? I remember I couldn't remember his name last time we talked about it. Crazy actor guy. He was on from Predator. No, from he's he's on Entourage. I'm oh, so, I'm so bad at remembering names. Sven. No, crazy. He's a crazy actor. He's in. He was in oh. Lethal Weapon. Oh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. <laughs> Gary, you are going to spin right off of this planet. <laughs> right, so Gary Busey's in it. And uh, oh, that's right. I am interested. Then in I'm interested in the Gary Busey movie. So uh, yeah, Predator Two is going to be our our last bonus episode, and then we'll start back up. And I believe it is my pick. And I actually do know, but I will wait until the Predator Two episode to to let you know. Okay, look forward to that. Oh no, that's not next up. You forget our our secret plan. We have one more after Predator Two. Oh, we're going to cut this. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm like that's after Predator Two. 
Yes. We're, okay. Our next recording after Predator 2 will be your pick, but yes. the people listening to this will have one more after Predator 2. That is correct. We're getting through our, our, into our own like crazy timelines because <laughs> this will all, I'll leave part of this in because this will become clear. We'll announce at the end of Predator 2 yeah. what the plan is. Yeah. All right. All right. But yeah, that's the show. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Bad Punts Podcast. And uh, you can search for us on YouTube. Our our videos are being taken down for copyright reasons, but we're doing our best to get some episodes up. Um, since I know people are looking for some YouTube versions. Yeah. And uh, please like us on your podcast app of choice. And if we're able to get those YouTube episodes up, please uh, feel free to leave us comments there. Uh, and as well as uh, share those. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And thanks for listening. And, you know, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's definitely something that helps us, you know, spread Absolutely. the word. So. Uh, so yeah, with that, we'll be back with Predator 2. Predator 2.